So tell us, what has taken place in your life since you started listening to The Spoken Podcast? I'm now the guy that buys scratcher tickets at Quick Trip. I got married. Stop smoking crack. I'm still that guy. My wife left me. Well, I'm back on crack. This is The Spoken Podcast. Listen at your own damn risk. This is the Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the KCPN studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell and Eddie Ortiz. He's back, guys. He's back. He's back in full motion. You know, he's been he's been you know dipping and dodging us a little bit, you know, over the last week or so. No, I'm just kidding. He's had a, he's had himself a handful of uh, situations that he's handled very well, I would say, in his defense. And so, uh, nevertheless, it is great to have our guy back. How are we doing tonight, Eddie? I, well, you're telling me. I mean, your whole entire fan base has been chomping at the bit for over, you know, 14 days now, waiting for your ass to get back here. Trev, how are we doing tonight, man? Doing great, man. And Gat, how are you doing? You can say it. You can say it loud and clear for everybody to listen. How are you doing this week? Fantastic. All right. Well, that is our lady. That is our that is our prez, if you will. Uh, if you guys are actually somebody that's watching the live stream, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time on your Friday night to come and hang out with us as we talk sports. Uh, but if you are somebody that's actually busy on Friday nights and just you know want to have a weekend getaway with uh, your people at the Spoken Podcast, if you will, you can find us on uh, YouTube. If you go to Kansas City Podcast Network, you can sub- subscribe there and watch all full episodes of the Spoken Podcast and anything else that you might be looking for as far as contributors from the KCPN uh, people. And you can also find us on all podcasts podcast platforms if you look up can city podcast network or just the spoken podcast you will find us there as well uh but let's get started on some sports talk because we have both nba and some nfl uh, topics to discuss which is primarily what we're going to be talking about outside of whatever our guy uh, eddie ortiz has uh in the eddie hour i don't know what he's going to talk about i have no idea what you guys put in the monday mailbag Nevertheless, we are exactly excited and ex- extremely excited, I should say, to get this episode off and running. But I want to start with some uh, Chiefs talk, if you guys will, as I uh, had hinted uh, in a previous post in regards to something that I wanted to talk about when it comes to the team that we love the most. The age-old saying is you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Andy Reid is 62 years old. In most regards and in common NFL standards, he's considered an older head coach. But if there's one thing we know about Andy, it's the fact that he never stays stagnant with his overall approach. Each and every year, he and his coaching staff coming into the season with a fresh and new set of plays or at least new versions of the same plays are forever keeping him one step ahead of the competition. We see it each and every year. Andy implements a new wrinkle or hell, a whole new play, and before this week is up, We have several teams literally copying the play verbatim. When it comes to the NFL, Andy Reid is one of those coaches that helped create the cliche, it's a copycat league. Because so many coaches have tried to their damnness to replicate what Andy puts on film. Few have succeeded and even more have failed. But with these facts come other facts to follow. And that's that Andy Reid will still have growing to do as a head coach, and I'm certain of it that if you were to ask him if that were true, he would say certainly. 
Well, tonight, I want to tell you what I'd like to see Andy improve in, or rather accept and grow comfortably with. In Super Bowl 54, there came a crucial play in the game in the fourth quarter on third down in which the Chiefs had to call and execute the perfect play. With nine minutes remaining in the game, the Chiefs are trailing 20-10 to to the Niners. Now, given that Andy has a Rolodex of these insanely effective and efficient plays, one could assume that Andy would select the perfect one in this particular scenario. But instead, what took place was a suggestion by one Patrick LaVon Mahomes, and we all know what that suggestion was. Those famous words that formed a question that will forever reign in the annals of Chiefs and NFL history. Do we have time to run Wasp? We all know the answer that followed this question. We all know what result took place after this decision was made. And it was I truly believe it was due to this very suggestion from Mahomes. Of course, it was the entire team and all the preparedness from the coaching staff that got them there to that moment, to that time. But Mahomes' ability to understand the situation, to read the room, to utilize his mental skills while simultaneously displaying his physical talents is what ultimately won the Chiefs their first Super Bowl in a half a century. I remember three years ago being on the Shaggy Shane Show and stating for my limited but valid research on Mahomes is that he had both equal physical and mental talent. Which is why I was so excited and 1,000% all in on Mahomes. And this play on the biggest and brightest stages of them all proved just that. Now, where does Andy play into all this? It's simple, really. Allow your quarterback to lead when those times come. We all know that Andy is, one of those, is the one that steers the ship on a week-in and week-out basis. Mahomes knows this just as well. But there will be more instances in which Mahomes sees something no one else will, including Andy, that will work, that's perfect for their current situation, and Andy must allow Mahomes to take the reins. To me, this is the growth that I believe Andy not only needs, but will accept in order to continue down this path of becoming easily one of the greatest head coaches in NFL history. And let's be completely honest about something. Andy owes it to Mahomes to allow him said freedoms. And it's not just because of what I previously stated. It's because Andy has had his greatest successes with Mahomes as his quarterback. In some respects, Mahomes has saved Andy's legacy and career. We all remember the conversations that we even had on this very show about what Andy's career would end up becoming if he never wins the Super Bowl. Thanks to Patrick Mahomes, that's no longer a concern or worry for Andy Reid and his legacy. In all actuality, Andy could have and probably would have drawn up a play that would have worked. But the fact that just like his understudy Doug Peterson did with his quarterback in Super Bowl 52... Andy gave the Mahomes the respect and trust to go with what he's sensing, seeing, and feeling in the moment. Makes it no coincidence that both head coaches hoisted Lombardi trophies moments later. And let's be honest about something for a second. The elephant in the room, if you will. Andy Reid isn't getting any younger. He knows his time is running short. 
And even though I do expect Andy to be around for years to come till at least 2025, it's safe to say that Andy has coached more seasons to this point than seasons ahead for him to coach. And that's fine. Because just like the legacy his, it has drastically changed in moments like the Wasp, we can, and I do believe we will, continue to witness Andy Reid's legacy change in a positive, upright manner because I have full faith and belief that Andy took that call to heart and in his mind will remember that his quarterback is an extension of himself on that field. And if he's wanting to hoist more Lombardis in the future and as many times as he can while he's still leading the Chiefs team... Trusting Mahomes' ability in both physical and mental terms is the best bet for that to occur. Time's yours, Andy, to learn new tricks. Because we all know you're anything but an old dog. And we're going to leave it right there. Because we have some NBA to talk about in the next segment. we got to get to the Eddie Hour, guys. I mean, my, my guy's been waiting for almost two weeks to get back on the show. So we got to get him back on the show and running things like he knows how to do. It's a natural form for our guy, Mr. Ortiz, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo. And quite frankly, I don't want to keep Mr. Billy Hodge and Donnie Couch and all the other big fans from, from not enjoying the simplicities and the, the sultry voice of our guy, Mr. Ortiz. So, and we'll fit Trevor in as well, you know. You know, never mind, never mind. But we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna take a quick break. I promise you. When we get back, we're gonna talk a little NBA bubble because it's been nothing short of amazing. It has worked perfectly. At the same time, there's some criticisms that need to go out because we got some people talking some hefty, hefty shit on the Lakers. We'll get back to that the after this. Super Bowl did not come on Tyreek Hill's second down catch. Did they challenge it? It came after. What do you got? Incomplete? Yeah. All right. San Francisco is challenging the ruling on the field of a completed pass. Timeout. In a cruel twist of fate for the 49ers, a good challenge ultimately ended in disaster. It hit the ground? Sure, it took away a first down gave the defense a rest, and provided Bill Vinovich with some time in the spotlight. But it also gave Mahomes the chance thank you, thank you. to suggest the call of the game. Hello, boys. Hey. What are we thinking? Do we have time to run walls? It's third and 15. Chiefs need some Mahomes magic. It was a brilliant call, made at the perfect time by a 24-year-old in his first Super Bowl. Third and 15. Shotgun snap, drops back five, got the watch. He winds up with those a long pass. Wide open hill. Catches the ball at the 22 of San Francisco. What a play by Mahomes. The first giant chunk of the game on third down and 15. And Mahomes guns it for 44 yards. And that's the ability of the arm that can go all the way across the field. The D-backs are not used to seeing that. one-of-a-kind arm, and one-of-a-kind speed. The combo stings. 
always said from the very beginning when Pat got drafted by this team, what I love about this young man is the fact that he embodies something so rare that you don't see in the NFL very often. It's this, that you have someone so talented and so smart at the same time. That's why people loved Peyton Manning so much coming out of college, because they knew this dude had all the physical abilities to lead a team and win football games based off his talent. But it did not end there. In fact, it only went further. It was his IQ. It was his ability to break down things like that. That is who I think Patrick is. Do I think he's got a good personality? I think so. I don't know the kid that well, but I think that he's got enough personality and pizzazz to him that people are going to be drawn to him naturally. But I think the fact that he's so talented and he's not going to just rest on his laurels, he's going to continue to work at it and get better and better. I think Pat embodies both a great football player and a great human being. And that's why I think, and I have all the confidence in the world, this guy's going to lead us to not one but multiple Super Bowls. Hell yeah. Patrick Mahomes has got that it factor. All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Patrick freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, Let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. Tuned into the spoken, spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the KCPN studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell and Eddie Ortiz. Yeah, that's right. As, as displayed, you know, he never disappoints. And of course, we have our lady, Miss Gat. Running things, you know, she is the Wizard of Oz around here, if you know what I mean, except she ain't fooling anybody. She's got what it takes, so we're glad to be here inside the KCPN studios. Uh, Left it off uh, with the Andy Reid suggestion that I have for, like I said, Coach Reid, and if you guys have your reactions, thoughts on that, and what you think uh, he should do in the future as time goes on and as Mahomes continues to grow into the intellectual that he already is, uh, cast your thoughts on the on the live stream or on uh, Facebook and Twitter. We're at the Spoken Pod on Twitter, and you can join our group on Facebook. It's just simply called the Spoken. Just uh, put your invite in there, and we'll get you guys in there. But uh, we're gonna leave that right there because we have we are in the midst of the NBA season in full swing, full motion. Uh, the seeding games are about halfway done for the, the majority of the twenty two teams that were joined in. And um, it's crazy to think, guys, that we've only had a week of basketball to this point. I mean, mm-hmm. does it not seem like it's been going for a couple, at least a couple weeks to this point? Yeah, it definitely feels like it. That. It feels yeah. like it's been longer than, I think it's like eight days now, eight or nine days yeah, that it's been going. Yeah. It feels like it's been going on for like 20 days. There's been action every day. It's like been nice, legitimate yeah. Action. yeah. It feels like kind of like a March Madness type of thing for the NBA. You know, it's been it's been really entertaining and fun and nonstop. I mean, we're getting like three or four primetime games, if you will, uh, that are, are crunched into one yeah, game. It feels like, it feels like a, yeah, it feels like a playoff before the playoffs. It's it feels, nice. It's like a tournament feel to it. That's why every game has like an importance to it, That's which I, makes yeah, it more exciting. And, and I know we're going to like be grateful for it, and it probably is. Yeah. It's like biting into an orange after like having vitamin C deficiency because we've been lacking sports for so long but i feel like we've had some really entertaining games and some surprising uh teams on both ends you have the sons of all teams that are undefeated right now to this point of the bubble now obviously they're not going to make the playoffs or at least it doesn't look that way but to see them be able to succeed the way that they have and beaten teams like the clippers 
That's something to absolutely you know to hold their hat on, and Devin Booker's taking that next step. Mm. Uh, then you see the teams like the Portland Trailblazers, who we all, I believe, picked to make the playoffs yep. in our brackets, uh, completely leaning into their stars, man. Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. Uh, Nurkic has been absolutely balling. They're probably going to make that last play. I think they're a half game behind the Grizzlies, or maybe a full game now. The Grizzlies won today, I believe. Yeah. There's so much going on. And then on the negative side, you have uh, the the Bucks that still kind of look shaky to this point. I know they had a really good comeback against the Heat yesterday. They clinched the number one spot. They clinched the number one spot. It was a little bit later than we expected, but they still did it. you got to give them credit, but they have struggled. I think they've lost five of their last ten games or five of their last nine games. Yeah. Um, and, and then you have uh, the Sixers. I watched them before the show tonight. Yeah, it's not I'm going to be honest. They do, they look lifeless. Yeah, and now Ben Simmons, it's just yeah, it's a bad situation. It doesn't man. look good. It, it, I think my prediction of them beating the Bucks is going to blow up in my yeah. face, and I'm I'm ready to hold that L for sure. But I want to I want to get your guys' thoughts on this real quick because I, I feel like I could sit here and just go on and on and on because I've I've tried to not miss a single game during this entire bubble, which has been nothing but successful in in all actuality when it comes to COVID. Uh, zero positive tests to this point. But Trevor, I want to start with you. What is what has been your overall takeaway to this point of the bubble? I'll just kind of, kind of to, to piggyback off what I was saying just a minute ago. It just the intensity, um, the underdog stories like the Suns, you know, and the Nets playing really good basketball with the with the limited roster that they have. I mean, they just destroyed my my shitty Kings today. Um, so that's fun. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just get to see a continuance of you know Luke Walton being actually found a way to be worse, and he is worse at a, as a head coach than he was a player. If I didn't even think that was possible, but it's possible. <laughs> Anyways, that's how my King situation is going. Um, as far as overall, I mean, the product's been great. I mean, the, the bubble's been an absolute success. I, I mean, we, it's better than we even expected as far as, you know, there being, you know, the, the structure. No one, I mean, there was a couple hiccups, uh, uh, you know, as it was leading into the bubble, getting first, you know, getting started with Rashawn Holmes and, you know, the uh, Lemon Pepper Lou situation. Um, <laughs> Lemon Pepper Lou, that was yeah, the yeah. <laughs> But, <laughs> I, I mean, dude, uh, as, a, as a diehard NBA fan, I, I could not, I mean, the buildup alone was so rough. Just getting here, you know, fiending for some basketball, man. Um, it's been great. It's there's there's every time I turn the TV on, there's basketball on until midnight. Yep. You know, and it's from from noon to one o'clock in the in the, in the afternoon to you know eleven o'clock midnight every night. There's but there's been basketball, and I can't you know appreciate it more. And I, it, and it's I'm even more grateful for it now. Um, from being without it, but I mean, like overall, like I said, every game has been pretty much. There's been a couple blowouts. You know, my king's been a, a part of a couple blowouts, um, so it's been fun. Um, but I mean, as far as overall, most games have been close. Even if certain, like even like with the Nuggets Blazers game, uh, Jokic barely played. They've been without Will Barton. Uh, a lot of players have been in, in and out um, uh, of, of their roster and other rosters. But every game seems to have been competitive. Every team wants to win. You know, outside of the Kings, every team wants to win these games. Um, so even like like the Suns, like the, the, these stories are fun, man, to watch. Uh, these teams try to make this push for this um, this last chance to get in there for the the race. Um, and seeing the Blazers, you know, improve upon you know from what how they were looking, they were looking pretty mediocre for the majority of the regular season. But this this push, this kick in the ass that they've seen that we've seen, we've seen Dame balling out of his mind, Carmelo coming back to life. Um, it's just cool seeing these stories develop. Um, the Lakers, you know, clinching the West. Uh, I know we'll get to that. Um, but, yeah, man, overall, as an NBA fan, as a diehard NBA fan, as a diehard Hoops fan, I couldn't be more happier. Um, it would been really cool to see Kyrie and KD in, in, the, in the mix in the East. That would have made this whole, so much more better, honestly. Um, but, yeah, man, I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm 
impressed. I'm, I'm satisfied right now, and I cannot wait for the playoffs. Eddie, what's been your biggest takeaway so far in the bubble, man? My biggest takeaway from the bubble, other than uh, what Trevor stated, I, I think my biggest takeaway would be uh, Zion. Zion Williamson's 15-minute uh, yeah. minute games. Like, New Orleans went into the bubble because of the story that, right. uh, that Zion Williamson was. Yep. You know, And I believe Trevor, about two weeks ago, gave the Pelicans an L because... Of the 15 minute gameplay that they they're only giving, and now he's not playing at all next game. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like I, I heard it, it's coming. Uh, it's orders coming down from like up above. It's, yeah. it's outside of the head. Uh, the head coaches. Yeah, I think there's more going on with Zion than they're leading exactly. on. Yeah. Um, uh, something has to be up with them knees that he his weight. Like, like, his weight. Yeah. Uh, he's probably not physically fit to play even more than 15 ga- uh, 15 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. Uh. But if you know you're gonna use him for 15 minutes, wouldn't you take that uh, the last what fourth quarter? Make sure he plays majority. Well, of what's that crazy is quarter? they're they're worse with him on the floor. He's like a neg. He's like yeah. a minus 30. But at the same like time, what's crazy is that he's averaging a point per minute. True, yeah. he that's, scores, that's but his insane. defense has been shit. Yeah. His defense, yeah, yeah, which is yeah, crazy because no, sure. he's usually a defensive player. But yeah, well, he's, he moves slow. Yeah, he, he looks he's, winded. He's a slow player. I, I mean. That's that's the biggest news uh, news story for me in yeah. this whole in this whole bubble. Uh, I mean, yeah, and also the the Thunder, you know, playing good basketball. Absolutely, yeah. they've been playing yeah. good all year, man. They've been good all year. Uh, you know, playing good basketball to to surprise to the surprise of many who Chris Paul is uh, definitely MVP the candidate of the season. Counted the Thunder out of the playoffs, uh, myself included. Not mm. a Thunder fan, but I, I just felt with that roster, like such a young roster, but then you have Chris Paul, you know. Gilgis Alexander. Yeah, you had that mixture in there. You know, like at the beginning, you're like, yeah, it's not gonna work because Chris Paul does not want to be there, <laughs> so he's not gonna give it his all because uh, I guess they were trying to trade him to Miami or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so we knew that that was a, a whole scenario with the Thunder, but next thing you know, they're you know they're they're doing their thing, man. They're they're playing good basketball. Uh, they played. They did just beat the Lakers. Uh, I think two days ago or yeah, last night. blew them yeah, out. Yeah. Uh, they play really good. Play incredible. Yes, they played incredible. Uh, so that that would be the two biggest takeaways I have from the bubble. Uh, I mean, everything else, like Trevor said, it was big com- competitive. The Suns, uh, the Suns with the, it's fun the to watch. Clippers, you know, yeah. the Devin Booker shot at the last second. You know, mm-hmm. uh, hopefully he makes it into like a, a, a championship contender team uh, once his contract is up. You yeah. know, because he's a star. I, 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 he, yeah, yeah, he can't. He can't finish his career. You know, there, there's a team that I feel like hasn't gotten a lot of credit because they lost a superstar player in the offseason, and that is the Raptors. Yeah, um, this is a team that I even told Trevor when we were sitting there one night. Watch, it was actually the Raptors Lakers game before the game started, and I was sitting here. I was, I think Doris Burke was the one calling the game, and she talks about. She had mentioned how you know, don't be shocked if this team represents the Eastern Conference, the Raptors, for a second straight year. Yeah. And I sat there and I was like, man, I don't see it. I, I don't see it because in the NBA of all leagues, you have to have superstar players. And they don't have a superstar, at least not yet. Siakam's not there. He's a, he's a really good budding young player, but he's not a superstar. And, and you know, you have these other guys like Van Fleet, these other guys that are really good players. You know, uh, Marcus Saul at the twilight of his career. On you know, On a newbie, he's yeah, yeah. a really good solid player. I Absolutely. Mean, they have depth. Serge Ibaka, you know, like they have depth, but 
I didn't feel like this was the type of team that could really get. The, oh, I'm not even mention Kyle Lowry. Oh, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it feels like this team has not missed a step. Losing Kawhi Leonard, like you think, if any team loses a superstar player like a Kawhi Leonard, you think they're going to drop off the cliff, and they have it. In fact, they look just as good as they did last season. Like, so, I mean, if you think about it, like uh, uh, Kawhi Leonard missed what twenty some twenty two uh, games, twenty two games. Man, they lost season. how many games? They were seventeen and five right. in those games. Exactly. So that roster in itself was already good even without uh, Kawhi. And that almost has to make you ask the question, and we can we can delve off into this topic. <laughs> How valuable is Kawhi Leonard? Because also with the Clippers, he missed several games this year, too. And they had a winning record without him. So the question has to start to be asked about Kawhi. How valuable is he really to a franchise? Because we all assume like he's a top-five player, which in all aspects he is. I mean, he is valuable to the team because if it wasn't for his shot... Uh, against the, the, six, the Sixers. Sixers, game that, seven. Yeah, it would have been. It would have been the end. Fair know? enough. So the, you have. The, I mean, he's that that kind of guy that can take that last second shot. You know, like if you got basket, who's the guy you're going to trust in that team? It's going to be Kawhi. That's, yeah. You know. So just just off of that alone, you you know he mm-hmm. he puts himself up here, and then the rest is down here. You know. Well, I'm glad you brought that up actually, because now we can kind of segue into the part that I really want to get into, and that is about the Lakers. Uh, because of the fact that Kawhi Leonard has been known to be a guy that can hit the bucket or shut down an opponent in a clutch situation on the defensive side. Um, early on in the bubble, in fact, the first game of the bubble for the Lakers was against the Clippers. And I didn't really know what to expect from the Lakers going into the bubble because... They didn't really have much to play for because they were almost guaranteed to get that number one spot unless they just went on an eight-game losing streak and the Clippers went on a six- or seven-game winning streak. The Lakers were going to get that one seed. And you can debate on whether the one seed really matters in the bubble or not. I Personally, I think it does because of this, obviously, who you're going to face in the first round. And with you restarting after four months for an older team, it's going to matter for the Lakers. Nevertheless, the, the one game where I felt like the Lakers really stood tall considering what they've you know struggled with in shooting in that regard, they did it against the Clippers, the game that really did matter. Of all the games in this bubble that was going to matter for the Lakers, they did that. And Kawhi Leonard came up short at the very end when LeBron shut down not only him but Paul George in that final possession that won them the game. And offensively. And offensively, yeah. So, so my question is, with the Clippers and the Lakers being two completely different type of teams, with the Clippers being this assumed deep team that's just going to run through the playoffs and, and get through the Western Conference, we've seen them take an approach much differently than the Lakers have, where they haven't taken the regular season seriously. They haven't even taken the bubble that seriously. Like we talked about with Lap Dance Lou or Lemon Pepper Lou, whatever we want to call him, just now getting back in the in the, in the huddle of things. Uh, we don't know if Montrezl Harold's going to play. Uh, but with the Lakers, you have Avery Bradley, who's not going to play. We have Rajon, Rajon Rondo, who's going to be there late at best. With the Lakers now not playing great basketball, is it something that you guys think is a legitimate concern, or are you more on my side where, look, this team had both nothing to play. They're in a unique situation. The bubble alone is a unique situation. But they were in a unique situation to me where they had both nothing to really play for and they're getting their legs under them. It's no shock to me that this team has struggled with the most important thing when it comes to legs is what? Shooting. 
if you don't have your legs, you're not going to shoot well in the NBA or basketball, period. So I think that is the real reason why we're seeing this team struggle because of lack of motivation to get through the seedings and the fact, like I said, is they're, they're an older team, so they've got to get their legs out of them. So eight games in, you're going to start to see this team pick it up. That's where I stand. But you guys have a concern. I'll start with Trevor. Do you have a, a legitimate concern about this Lakers team making a deep push to the playoffs? I mean, I think there's, there's always cons- – I think you could find a concern with most teams – um, I, the Clippers definitely have their concerns right now. They, they haven't, they've yet to have their entire roster together damn near this entire year. Um, not even talking about just the bubble, but this entire year. So the chemistry, I think, with them is, is, is shaky. Um, but for the Lakers, uh, look, man, like you said, only a LeBron team would people be asking, questioning their, their, their intensity and their, their, their will to win games during the regular season in the bubble. When they clinched the West already, faster than the Bucks clinched the East. By the way, this is what I'm saying. Like, the goalposts will continue to move for LeBron James. We all know this. We're going to talk about a couple uh, game losing skid in a bubble about games that don't even matter when they've already are the number one seed in the West. When everyone said LeBron can never do that in the West, and he just made it happen. And yet we're going to move the goalposts and not talk about that, but talk about the negative side of it to where the teams or he's now he's load managing and all this, and now they're worried about his groin. Or him, him lying and that is saying that it's a groin issue, and he just need should just come out and say that he was just load managing, and these games don't really matter, which is true either way you look at it. I'm as a LeBron fan, as someone who's watched LeBron prepare for the playoffs and and, and look towards the playoffs, and knowing what he's going to do in the playoffs year in and year out, and the numbers that he produces, and the, his ability to show up game in and game out, night in and night out, I have absolutely no concern. The only concern to me. Is, is is on the side of AD. That's the only part. I think I think the role players. I think Danny Green will eventually start hitting his shots. I think I think uh, uh, um, the athleticism of LeBron and AD will outshine any other duo in the West. I don't I don't have any concerns there. But like I said, the only concern to me is the consistency of AD. We have, we've we've seen a lot of AD, in AD's resume in the playoffs. He's 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 shown not to to you know display his. His best moments in late, later in games in the playoffs, um, and he's had some good rosters. He had a pretty good roster there with the Pelicans with Boogie and Rondo. But I think LeBron is going to push AD and get the best out of AD and, and take his you know his uh, confidence to another level that we haven't seen um, because AD hasn't had AD's always dependent on being the guy and he doesn't have to be the guy. I think he is the X factor heading into this playoffs. But I think LeBron taking that pressure off of AD is a whole different thing. It's a whole different. Uh, um, hierarchy of needs i guess he's not needed as much as he has been in the past to do everything because lebron could take a lot of that weight off and same for ad he could take a lot of that weight off as far as the defensive end for lebron maybe some possessions you know uh, um but as far as like an overall concern for the lakers as long as the role players are hitting the threes and ad is doing what he does and gets his numbers lebron can coast to a triple double and they can you know they can be anybody at any time um but as far as overall concerns, I'm not really concerned. As long, like I said, the only concern is, is AD showing up in the moments when he needs to show up. Because I'm not, I'm not worried about LeBron in the slightest. Because if anything is consistent in this league, it's LeBron, it's playoff LeBron in this past decade and a half. He, there should be no doubt. There should be no second guessing there. He's going to do what he does outside of maybe an injury. Knock on wood. Outside of that happening, LeBron is going to get you the the best numbers in playoffs history. He, he's already done it. The top three scores. In a single postseason, the top one, two, and three spots goes to LeBron James. 
he's going to do what he does in the playoffs. This is what he does. So I'm not concerned there. But if AD is doing what AD does and and plays better than he has been playing, which I believe he will, I believe that they're coasting to the playoffs because these these games literally do not matter at all. There's no reason to go out there and exert energy energy that you don't need to. And we've seen a couple major injuries already from other teams. You know, with with, with Ben Simmons and, uh, and and Jonathan Isaac. We, if anything like because the Lakers, I will say the Lakers cannot afford another injury. Right, and KCP to anybody. went down with that uh, rib injury right. that ended up not being and serious. And AD got but, a little uh, hip bump, yep. and I, I, that scared the yeah. shit out of me just from a little nagging injury. Anything, yeah. so it doesn't yeah. matter. I don't, I wouldn't give a shit if 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 the Lakers sat all you know most of their starters and just coasted the rest of the way. It doesn't matter. These games don't matter because if someone gets hurt, you're going to look back on that and feel like it, feel now, stupid. Now, Eddie, you, you do feel a little bit differently about this. You and I have talked about this uh, one-on-one in previous moments. Go ahead, man, and, and, sure. and let us know the reason why you feel differently. I was just uh, – the, the Lakers going into the – or since the bubble started, they've been – they're the team with the worst shooting percentage mm-hmm. in the entire bubble. Mm-hmm. That, that, that has to be a little bit alarming to the players. Like, okay, uh, we're not making the shots. Like, there, there has to be, uh, you know, like some sort of, you know, I don't know, practice or whatever to, to, to start cleaning up them shots. Uh, probably all the I'm, – I'm sure 90% of the players probably didn't even play basketball throughout this whole pandemic. Uh, competitive basketball, that is. Uh, you know, like with, with friends or whatever. Yeah, it's hard know, to do just that. A, just a pickup basketball game uh, to kind of stay in rhythm, you know. So, I would say that's affecting. Uh, I, I would say that's affecting a lot of it. Uh, but it, it it is concerning just for the simple fact that you're 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 leading into the playoffs. You're four games before starting the playoffs, uh, and you're still messing with the starting rotation because of uh, I believe Bradley's gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're still messing with the rotation. Like, and Rondo's the, out with the with the starting rotation. You know what I mean? You're still trying to figure out your guys to. To fully set in the playoffs, uh, so that's affecting the Lakers, uh, you know, chemistry and all that because you still don't know what, like, what will be your starting lineup uh, playoffs. Uh, I'm start. I'm really glad you brought that up about the starting lineup part mm-hmm. because that's actually my next point that I want to address. Um, and real quick, what I'll say about the – you make great points about what you're saying about there has to be concern about that. And, and if we know this team, if we know any LeBron James team ever – they know that the concern and the number one concern, if the only concern, is playoffs. So I, that's why I'm not concerned because of the fact, like I said, we saw how great this team was through over 60 games. And then now a restart, it's no coincidence because if you go back to October, November, you will see the way the Lakers played back then. It is very similar to how it is now. They didn't start the season off hot where they were just reeling off weight because, in fact, they started their season off with an L to the Clippers, and they looked horrible. LeBron James looked horrible, and people were like, oh, he's washed, and that's when the whole washed team thing came out. See, that feels like an eternity ago, but that was just this season. And so to, to push back just a little bit, that's actually what I think is happening right now. I think that the restart with an older roster, they will get warmed up eventually. Like Trevor said, Danny Green's legs will get there. You saw it a little bit last night against the Rockets where he started to finally hit the three-pointers after going like 0 for 11 and at KCP one point. KCP will start hitting his shots. He hit twos, but I'm saying he yeah. went 0 for 11 at one point. Yeah. So the fact he's even hitting them, and we know guys that can hit threes, once they start to see it hit the end of that net, yeah, they start pro- to feel a little these more are professional. Confident. These are professional and, shooters. They're eventually going to catch that. I get it, but like I said, it has to be concerning because absolutely your best shooters aren't making those shots. Absolutely, like, when they matter, they're they're just hitting bricks. This conversation, this conversation feels so familiar. This, this brings me back to 2018. 
Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. When everyone they, they were constantly rotating, the the, constantly rotating the, the starting five with with Clarkson and that Tristan was Thompson. The worst starting five and in this absolutely. I, mean, I know it was the East, so maybe the competition was a little less talented as it is in in in, in the West right now. Um, but this, 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 these, these, these worries that I hear, these, these, this conversation, it just it feels like 2018 all over again. Yeah. Like, oh, who's going to be there? You know, who's going to be even start at point? Should they start LeBron at point, or you know what are they going to do? And the, that team went on. LeBron had the greatest. And that team didn't have an Anthony of, Davis. Yeah, you know that's that's the X factor. That's what I'm that's saying. And so, and so to your point, I, I get it. There, it is concerning. My concern would be if this was in the playoffs and they were playing like this. So let's let's yeah. let's see what they do when the playoffs come around. I'm just saying that there's reason, valid reason as to why this is the they're looking the way they're looking well, right now. They have what is it, three games left? I believe so, yeah. Uh, well they better get their act together. Oh absolutely because after that it, it, it's go time. Well, they're currently they're not ready for that. It's it's gonna be a shit show for the Lakers and you can possibly see them struggle in the first round in the playoffs. Sure. I'm not saying they're going to get eliminated, but they might struggle just yeah. to get through. Well, and to bring, it, to bring it back to 2018 to Trevor's point, in 2018's first round, the Cavs went seven games with the Pacers. Yeah. And people thought, oh, that's going to wear LeBron out. He had a bad first series with that this was team. That was the top three defensive team in the league. Yes, right absolutely. And, and so as it currently stands, uh, forgive me, I don't mean to dis- be disrespectful to the Grizzlies, but if the Lakers end up playing the Grizzlies in that first series without what's his face, Jaron Jaren, uh, Jackson, yeah. Yeah. that's going to be a sweep. Or if that, it's the that, or if it's the Blazers, the Grizzlies. That's not gonna be a as it currently no, stands, they're, the, probably, they're probably going to go seven games. At the, the as it currently stands, the Grizzlies still hold the eight seed. But the Grizzlies, they're still a game up on the on the Blazers. So but I'm even saying, as even it currently stands. even if it's the Blazers, what better matchup would it be if uh, than the Blazers? Because the Blazers what are twenty twenty sixth overall defense in the league. If there's any, if they're struggling with their shot, what better team to go against is one than against one of the worst defenses? You can, we all know that we, the Lakers play good defense. They play great defense all year. Top, second in the NBA, yes, second in the league at defense. So I mean, as far as points allowed, so if anything, they can deal with Dame dropping forty and still beat them because the because the Blazers' defense is that bad and to they, where LeBron can go get his, and they have no answer. They for have AD. no Trevor Reza. Trevor Reza is not. They not have no there. answer for AD. Who do, who do right. the Blazers have an answer for AD? And so let alone anybody else in the league. And and with and with when I was talking about the lineup, I wanted to bring that up with you, Eddie, because you did mention the lineup. I actually a hundred percent agree with you. I think the Lakers. Absolutely have to change up their starting lineup. I think they need to bench JaVale McGee because he's been absolutely horrific in the bubble at this point. They need to bring Kuzma into the starting lineup. They need to play a smaller type of off or offensive lineup. They need to be a little bit more proactive. I think Kuzma's hitting, what, 50% of his yes. outside? Uh, uh, he's playing well. He's back. played pretty well on the offensive side. It's, Defensively, he's a little bit more shaky, which is why I understand... Why they yeah? Why they've been taking him off yeah. into the six man position? But with that considered, Caruso and Dion Waiters have played so well in the bubble so far that, that I feel that the Lakers feel like they can afford to switch it up a little bit because they know those two guys in the rotation are going to continue to play the way they've been playing. Dion Waiters, like Trevor's been mentioning for weeks, has been waiting for his opportunity, and Caruso has made the most of his opportunity. Like another, this guy was a genuine guy in th- with the Thunder. Yeah, so so what I'm saying is I think I think that the Lakers needed they do need to shift it up a little bit because like I said, Javel McGee has not been good and he brings you really nothing on the offensive side. They will have Dwight Howard back. He's rested the last couple games. My point though is as it currently stands, the Lakers actually don't have a very bad situation going on when it comes to the playoffs. Because like I said, even if it is the Blazers that end up getting that eighth spot, the Blazers don't match up well with the the the, the Lakers. But the good playing, thing is hot absolutely, and they will continue to. Yeah, I, I believe the, the they oh, have no. guard play yeah. out the ass. Like they're the they best have, shooting team in the NBA right now, by far. They have the best. I think the best guard tandem in the league as it currently stands of healthy teams. I absolutely believe that. 
So they're going to get their buckets. Like Trevor's Long, point, though, yeah. is they have, outside of Nurkic, they don't have that size that can really match up with LeBron and AD. But don't let, I mean, what AD is, all AD is going to do to Nurkic is, is pull him out, pull him out, and then blast by him. I mean, Nurkic so, is great, but he's not a, he's not elusive enough to, to hold AD, and, and that's going to be a nightmare. Point, to the Clippers' point, as it currently stands, their first round uh, matchup would be the Dallas Mavericks, who, if you guys watched the game last night, yeah. Toe to toe with the Clippers until like the final three minutes. Now yeah, that would be I a would great pick series. the Clippers in For that sure. series because yeah, they're, they're just yeah. the better team, more experience, and more experience. Yeah, Doc Rivers. But here's the thing: the Mavericks are that type of team, though, that could really give you fits. We sit here talking Porzingis. about the Blazers. We sit here talking about you know these other teams, the Lakers can match up. Why are we not talking about the Clippers and their matchups? Yeah. Because of the fact that they're going to actually face stiffer competition to start. And Trevor already mentioned the fact they have not had their starting rotation all season. Yeah. They have not had their starting rotation. And Lou Williams season. finally got some minutes the other and night. And Montrezl is still not there. Yeah. So they're, they're, we talk about Avery Bradley. We talk about Rajon Rondo. Why aren't we talking about the Clippers' deficiencies? They're there. And to be honest with you, I think they're going to pay more dividends on the negative side of things for the Clippers than even the Lakers uh, will, will do that. Because once the Lakers get their legs back, we're not going to be sitting here talking about this anymore. I mean, the Clippers have way more to play for as far as seeding-wise. So, I mean, if they're not playing that great, that's way more worrisome right. than the Lakers already clinching the first spot in the Absolutely. West. So, I, so, so there's a lot. But then on the Eastern side, I mean, I think we all can agree. Yeah. The, the, the Bucks have... We talk, remember, I, I don't trust the Bucks, man. One of my Bucks, opening man. monologues, one of my opening monologues a few weeks ago was, there is a different type of pressure on the Bucks than the Lakers. The Lakers is... Get to the finals and win. Mm. The Bucks is you better get to the you better get to the finals. Like they better get there. Winning it that's a whole other thing. But Giannis, as the as the East is currently shaping up right now, the best bet that they have to fit to defeat them right now are two teams that either one does not have a superstar on the Toronto Raptors who are overachieving in my opinion. Who could very well win the East? I'm not sitting here saying the Raptors they can't do it. They could definitely win. They could definitely win it because their defense is insane. Or the Boston Celtics. And the Boston Celtics have been an absolute roller coaster to this point. Outside right. of that, I don't think there's a team. I picked the Sixers to beat the Bucks in the semis. I don't see how that happens now with Ben Simmons being out. Joel Embiid looks out of shape. He looks unmotivated. He doesn't look. I watched the game earlier today. He did not look like he wanted to play basketball today. Yeah. And they have the Sixers have so much to play for at this current time. The Bucks have, as it currently stands right now, which it will be their. It'll probably be their first game. It'll be against the Orlando Magic, the first series. They're going to run through them. Yeah. Outside of the Boston Celtics and Toronto Raptors, I don't see a single team that can stop the Bucks. Do you guys think? That the Bucks are primed and ready to get. I know you picked Eddie. I know you picked the Bucks to win the title. I'm assuming you're not laying off of that, correct? No. Okay. So, so Trevor, what do you have on that right now? I mean, do you how do you see the East panning out at this current time? Have you changed your? Oh no no no! I, I'm, I'm still very. I'm okay. still very. I still very much believe in the Celtics. I still. I know they they they're one of those teams that have been rocky. Um, but I think once their backs are against the wall, this team is so hungry, man. Uh, I think they're very, they're coached well. I think Jason Tatum's gonna. I think they're just kind of like you know working out those those not necessarily jitters, but just the rust. Um, and they're they're young players, so young players tend to have you know more rust to their game when they have all that time off. Veteran players they have that muscle memory; they can kind of get out there. Like I said before on this podcast, that we these veteran players benefit more from the bubble, benefit more from that 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 layoff time than the, the younger players do. do but once I think so because of they. I mean because. 
you're, you're talking about a break and then coming right back into it, and you, mm-hmm. you're only getting eight games to get back into it. This is what I'm saying, though. Like it's just like it's just like if you're like a bodybuilder. Say you know you're a younger guy and you take that time off, and you you know you'll you'll lose that muscle. But when you had that mature muscle and that muscle memory's there, you can go in there. Your strength's still there. It's it's for me, it's a muscle memory thing. It's it's a it's a it's a routine thing because a lot of these veterans knew know how to prepare their bodies. Obviously, LeBron being the ultimate example, coming in, being ready. Um, this is, but I'm just. That's why I think that the 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 and plus the with the Celtics they've been resting Kemba. He's been on a limit uh, a minute restriction. So once he's a full go, him and Gordon Hayward and those guys, I just think that roster is deep enough. I think that defense is insane when they're fully going and they they're pressing teams. Um, that's all that youth, man. Once they once they, they they can let all that energy out and leave it all on the floor, it's gonna be really hard for any team to match up with them, and I, that includes the Bucks because I think if they, if you let Giannis get his and you you know you know keep everyone else at bay the 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 Celtics have a better roster and I think they're a better coach team I think playoff playoff uh history will be will be key this this go around yeah and more key than it was other yeah. seasons before uh so I Celtics being a, a little too young I think that playoff mentality is not going to fully be there because they don't have that that experience. You yeah. know, they don't have that that ton of experience. They're not that it's, much it's younger. Funny. They're not that much younger than the Bucks, though. It's funny they're really not. Though, but yeah. it is funny you say that though, because of the three teams I mentioned when it came to the Raptors, Bucks, and and uh, Celtics, the team with the least amount of playoff experience is the Bucks. You're right. The Celtics just went to the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago. They've been battle tested, and the Raptors just won the, the title last year. Right. So if we're actually doing inventory here. The Bucks are the team that have the most to prove of those three teams. Well, and Kemba Walker so, and, and 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 Gordon Hayward are both older than Giannis. Oh, by, yeah. So I'm saying they're not like they're two. Those are two of the leaders of the offense there. Right. So those, I mean, they're really actually might be a little older and more experienced. And I think, than I think the, Bucks. the Celtics can take a, a little bit of a blueprint off of what the Heat did against the Bucks just yesterday. Uh, the, the 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 Heat, I believe, up at tw- by 26 points at one point. Now, yeah. what I. Happened? Oh, no, that's true. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. That, that's the blueprint. That's Giannis, the blueprint. Giannis happened. They don't have that, I watched yeah. the game. What happened was the Heat got out to a fast start because what they were doing was pushing the ball. They also didn't have Jimmy Butler out there. True. So that's even <laughs> more. That shouldn't have been a game. The point is the Heat were pushing the ball. Yeah. They were forcing Giannis to make quick decisions on the defensive side, which is no mystery as to why Giannis almost fouled out of the game. Yeah. Now, we talked about this earlier today, Eddie. Giannis showed his greatness in the, on display in full force in the fourth quarter. Yeah. They 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 outscored the Heat uh third was it 38 to 16 in the fourth quarter. So, the Bucks are clearly the better team when it comes to the Heat. The point is, mm-hmm. the Celtics can take that and Brad Stevens being one of the three best coaches in the NBA today yeah. can say, "You saw how they did that. They have the type of roster that can push the Bucks, who's a bigger team than the Celtics are by far, yeah. push them, make their bigs make quicker decisions like a Giannis, like the Lopez brothers. Make them get into foul trouble and force the, the, the hand to be fed to you to where you're controlling the tempo of the game. The Celtics can do that in a series. They can beat the Bucks, But again, the, Celtics are more the talented. expectation needs and it falls completely on out. There is no player outside of maybe Anthony Davis that has more pressure on them to get to the finals this season than Giannis, and yeah. that is over LeBron James because LeBron's been to nine finals. Yeah, nothing else. Giannis hasn't been to a single one yet, and he's twenty-five years old. Been in the league now for seven seasons. He's about to be it's a back-to-back time. MVP. Yeah. It's time. Yes, yeah. Anthony Davis has a fuck ton of pressure on him too because everybody's expecting no him excuses. to get there. Yeah. There's no excuses, right? But Giannis has, in my opinion, the most pressure on him. He has to establish himself because everybody talked about all these years. LeBron's making it because of the easy East. 
Okay, then what's Giannis' excuse? What's Giannis' excuse? Because LeBron's no longer in the East. So what's Giannis' excuse? He has to get I just think I just think that the, the, the overall skill, because I do think the Celtics are a more skilled team and more talented team than the Bucs. Um, I don't really think that's even much of an argument, to be honest. With, it with, is with, debatable. With the, outside of, honestly, I, I think... I don't know. I, I, for me, I just I personally see the skill set of each individual player, even you know, even all the way down to Marcus Smart. I think Marcus Smart is right there with with, with Bledsoe as a, as an individual player. Ooh, I, I think take Bledsoe in a heartbeat. Offensively, yes, but not defensively. Uh, no, Marcus I, Smart's Marcus one of the best defending the best guards best in this league. Yeah, he's one of the best perimeter defenders. So that's what, that is games. This is what I'm saying. Black. So and Gordon Hayward and Kimba Walker are right there. You know, Kimba uh, Walker's dealing with a nagging injury. So possibly. You have to consider that. Yes, you, I don't. I don't think it's a serious. He's been on a minutes restriction for sure. I just I don't. I'm not buying into it as much. I think they're just kind of. You know they've accepted that third seed in the East. I think they're going to do what they got to do. I just I think the the coaching, the depth of the Celtics, because I think they are deeper than than, than, the, than the pretty much anybody in the in the East. I think they're the deepest team. Um, their rotation is good. Brad Stevens is such an intelligent coach. He knows his starting. He knows his his lineups rotations. Um, I think he's going to know how to how to how to uh, just like the Raptors do how to match up with Giannis or even let Giannis go out there and get his and still find a way to win while doing that. Uh, I'm I'm just letting you guys know. I mean, we're only four or five games into this thing, and and we're this excited. Wait till the oh, playoffs. Yeah. I think the East I mean, the East yeah the, the East playoffs be, is going to be a blast. It's going to be watch. a lot of fun. So just get ready, guys. We wanted to take the time and break down what we're seeing right now in the bubble, which again has worked beautifully to this point. I mean, yeah. literally, it's it's gone it's gone about as perfect as you could have ever. Imagined imagined it going so well in the meantime we're gonna leave it right there because guys we gotta get to the eddie hour we have got to get to our guy i know he's got some steamy hot questions ready for me to go so let's not let those things get cold let's let them stay hot steamy all right we'll get back to that after this Commandeer is Kansas City's alternative apparel brand. They make unique Kansas City-themed apparel and accessories with an emphasis on counterculture. They're nominated for two Best of KC 2019 awards in the Pitch Magazine and have plenty of designs for both sports fans and anyone else. Find them online at commandeerbrand.com or follow them at Commandeer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Soft shirts, designed with an edge. Podcast for segment number three. I am your host, Lance Woodwell. Here inside the KCPN studios with my guys, Trevor Woodwell. What's good? And Mr. Yo 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 himself, Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. All right, Eddie. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> yo. Yeah, quit being so soft spoken, Eddie. Yo, How about yo, you step yo. it up a little bit, man? Yo. You got the you got the takes, man. Step into it. Lean into it. You know what I mean? No. All right, so this is our first Eddie hour in over two in two weeks now. Hmm. So we've been fiending. So let's not waste any more time. Eddie, what's going on in the Eddie hour? All right, man. Uh, first question. I want to hear your thoughts on the running back Darius Geis or Geese uh, being released today mm. uh, for domestic violence. I think strangulation was one of those charges uh, by the football team. Good. Uh, so Good. Washington football team. I want to hear your thoughts on that. that. That's exactly what should have happened. I love the fact that that, that franchise has done everything wrong up to today, like for the majority of the time that they've existed. Um, they did something 100% right because it isn't even just the fact they cut him. It's the fact they wasted no time to cut him. They knew what happened. They had they collected evidence, and they cut his ass. So to me, that was... Look, man, uh, 
it sucks. It sucks for the player. I understand that. But dude, you you sign up for that when you do stupid shit off the field. And one of the stupidest thing a man could do is put your hands on a woman, put your hands on anybody, let alone like a woman. That so so I don't really know what he was expecting. I, I can't imagine he's really going to fight this because he has no real fight. The team did the right thing, man, and I, I support their decision one hundred percent. And I leave it there. I don't feel like this is one of those things where we have to break down and, and be analytical about. I think it's very cut and dry. You do that, you do stupid shit like that, you suffer the consequences. Yeah, this might just be the nail in the coffin for Geis' career. Um, I believe he played at LSU. I believe that's where he played. He was incredible, man. He was so fun to watch. I, I, he had a lot of promise coming into this league, whether he was stuck in Washington or not. When he his first year, I mean, he's he's had I think he's had two major injuries already. But when he's healthy, he was one of the more electrifying running backs in the league. When he was healthy, he was playing very at high levels. When he would had the opportunities, he just had too many. He was played by injuries, um, and I was actually looking forward to him. You know, maybe making something this year. You know, with all the shit that's going over the on, on over there in Washington, he might being a bright spot for this season. But nope. Um, yeah, it's rough, man. Uh, too many times we see this stuff, especially in, in football. Um, a lot of stuff like this happens with football players. Um, I don't know if it's just an aggression thing. You know, you, you don't know how to, you know, tamper your speeds on and off or off the field. You know how to let that side of you go when you get off the field. Um, you know, it, it, this is why circles matter so much. Who you're around, who you're involved with, who's influencing you, you know, because you're, you you tend to become who you're around in the most, right? So uh, he needs help. Um, it's it's inexcusable for what he did, let alone you know to a female. But you know, domestic violence in general is never a good thing. So it sucks, man. It sucks seeing a talented guy like that. You know fight his way back from injuries just to go out like this and lose his job like this, doing something stupid like this. Um, I hope he gets his life together, regardless if he ever plays football again, just for himself and the people that he's abused and the, and the people that he's hurt. Hopefully he gets himself together and apologizes and, and changes his stars from him, from here moving forward. So it's it's it sucks, man. It's a shitty situation. Yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I feel the same way. Uh, he should have been released immediately. For sure. It's inexcusable, man. Yeah. All right. So next question: uh, An ex Angels employee has been charged for distri- for distribution of fentanyl to Tyler Skaggs, uh, which we know is what caused his death. Now, my question is kind of like: Does the family have a lawsuit against the Angels, and should the Angels be at fault for this? Unfortunately, yes. Um, it's it's no different than any type of corporate company when you have an employee, a representative uh, that that. that like I said, represents your company and your brand, um, do something like this, whether you knew about it or not, there are legal actions that families can and, quite frankly, should take. Now, I think that there's a settlement that that the Angels could uh, come to an agreement with the family because I also realize the family would be understanding to the knowledge of, the limited knowledge the Angels probably had about this because I can't imagine that the Angels would have signed off on one of their their employees giving somebody fentanyl, which is a deadly, obviously a deadly drug to be using. Um, yeah, it's 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 um, it, you you can hold the person personally responsible, and they can do time and things of that nature when it comes to monetary uh, the monetary side of things. Yeah, the angels are going to have to unfortunately be on the side of 
uh, to pay out. And so I don't know how that's going to go. I'm not a lawyer. We can hit up our guy, Real Bird Lawyer, on Twitter and see if he knows the breakdown of all that. But um, as it currently stands, yeah, it's it's an unfortunate situation for everybody because at the end of the day, we lost a human being we shouldn't have lost, who I believe was only 27 years old at the time. Yeah. Uh, really sad, unfortunate loss. But, yeah, someone's going to have to pay, and unfortunately it's going to be the team that hired the man that gave him uh, said fentanyl. Yeah, I mean, if the Angels' name is on any kind of paperwork, any kind of approval, anything to, to provide you know, the services of this person that provided the services – you know, it, it all starts from the top and trickles down, right? So if their name is, you know, them being the entity and the team that he played for, um, and they, you know, they 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 okayed any of this, you have to you have to own up to it. Um, do I think they're going to get a major hit? Probably not. But the fact that we we did, like Lance said, we lost a life, um, someone who I don't believe was intending to lose his life, um, regardless if if he had maybe some kind of addiction. We don't know all the details. We just know that he was giving something that he didn't realize probably will, it, was, it was as potent as it is. Uh, fentanyl is not a joke. It's it's not something to be taken lightly. It's definitely a um, a rough substance to put in in a body, let alone at the the doses she was getting. So, yeah, they're gonna they're they're more than likely gonna lose the lawsuit. Um, they're gonna pay up something. I'm not sure what it is, but it's it's more than deserving because the family lost a young individual that had a bright future, and it's unfortunate. So, I believe the total number of players that opted out was 69 in the NFL. As of yesterday. Good number. Hey. Good number. <laughs> now, do you do you see more players trying to leave in the middle of the season? Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I can absolutely see Good that. Luck. It really depends on how... Things go. Um, if it's more, if it's lean, if it leans more on the side of the NBA bubble where you don't have any tests, like they're closer to that. I can't imagine these guys are going to be passing up on game checks as the season's in full swing motion. Having said that, I think it's also going to depend on record. If you're going to have these guys, let's say a veteran, a seven-year veteran on the Bengals, and they're one and eight, he's going to probably sit there and go, you know what, this isn't worth the risk. I'm just going to sit out for the rest of the season now. The thing that the NFL and the teams have is I believe there's something in the in the in the CBA where if you are to do something like that pandemic or not, yeah. they can withhold all of your money and they can actually suspend you for this. Now we'll have to look into that a little bit deeper because you're literally you're literally breach of contract at that point. That's why they that's why they devised this opt-out time and period. It even extended it, by the way. They even they try to push it up, but it ended up getting extended where these players had a longer period of time to make that decision, which I think ended was that yesterday? Thursday, Thursday. yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was yesterday. yesterday. So these players had plenty, an ample amount of time to make that decision. So if they're to go into the season, whatever length of time it is into the season, and then try to make that decision, the NFL and that team that that player plays for has all the leverage in saying, we gave you the time. Like I'm always pro player in these types of situations when it comes to anything, really. I'm usually pro, pro player. In this situation, in this instance, I have to back the NFL and the, and the teams in this because of the fact they gave you what was necessary. And they this time they, were, they were sympathetic to it. They were they were understanding, and they gave you that time. So yeah, I do I do foresee players trying to make this motion, especially veteran players on bad rosters. Mm. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to go the way they planned it to. Yeah, we'll see some fake injuries and such. Uh, guys trying to get out of the situation of being in a locker room if. I mean, this is the thing, man. Like, hopefully, I mean, I don't foresee the NFL dealing with a situation like the MLB is right now. Um, but there's no promises, man. You know, with with a lot of the, because with 
you know, the NBA is has amazed everyone having, you know, a bunch of young players because a lot of NBA players are very young, you know, to keep that under wraps and keep these guys within this bubble and, 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 and secure. I'm hoping the NFL can really learn a lot from that instead of, you know, and in, in using and learning from the mistakes the MLB is making right now. Um, just with the arrogance of a lot of players not abiding by the rules and wearing masks and, you know, social distancing and, and quarantine themselves. Um, I'm just, I, I know there's probably going to be NFLs, NFL players that are going to make a stink about it if, say, there is a small outbreak or something like that. Hopefully there's nothing like that that happens in any locker room, but I'm, I'm, I mean, it's almost, it would shock absolutely no one if there's somebody who comes out and says, hey, I just don't want to play, regardless, you know, if they make their money or not. Um, and I don't blame them as an individual. I won't blame them as an individual, but like Lance said, you were forewarned. You were given an extended period of time to opt out if that's what you wanted to. Um, you know, and if you didn't do that by that deadline, you made that adult decision to not, you know, opt out and you're in and you're here and there's really no excuse after that. So kind of like, you know, uh, just going on on, uh, with this, but us as fans, are we being selfish to the players of any kind of sport at this moment because of the pandemic? No, I don't think fans are being selfish. Um, you you can have a selfish opinion, but that still I don't think registers as selfish because we're not the decision makers. Uh, we've asked this question on the show before: uh, Is it safe enough to play sports? I've said absolutely not. Um, that is, I think that's just an honest perce- perce- uh, perspective on the entire pandemic. It's not even safe for most of us to be going to work, but we do that, and that's the way things unfortunately are. Sports have to go on. That's the that's the sucky thing about this is although it's not safe enough, these leagues have a demand to make money or else they're going to fold. Mm. That's the shitty situation we're in. Nothing about this is fair. Nothing about this is easy. And some of it's not even logical. But the point is the the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, the NHL, the MLS all have TV contracts. They have to honor those. I mean, hell, they literally had to discuss longer playoffs in the MLB because movies and TV shows have all been on a halt. So they haven't been able to premiere these new TNT original classics or second seasons and third seasons of other shows that they normally would have in the late seasons of, of, of the summer, early fall, things of that nature. They're not posting those movies. They're not posting these series. They've had to literally convince the MLB to extend their playoffs and have an unprecedented amount of teams in the playoffs for this fix-all. So I don't think on the fan side we can be selfish or non-selfish in this because we have nothing to do with the decision-making because we can't even go to the games. It'd be one thing if we were saying, we demand football and we're going to the games, and we had some say in that. We have no say in that. We have to abide, whether we like it or not, by what the standards and rules are. So I don't think this is on the fans. I think this is on the leagues, and they really have no choice to begin with. Yeah, I mean, me personally, I'm always a selfish fan. I want my sports. I want my football. Uh, but I do listen to the players and the players, the majority, overwhelming majority of the players are opting in to play football because this is their identity. I think a lot of these players would go absolutely insane if they didn't have an opportunity to play the sport that they love because this sport is their identity. Just like any other artist or any other, you know, an act, like you said, you mentioned movies, any actor that's, that's out of work, that's not getting, you know, roles, they start to go loopy because that's their identity. You know, if we just all of a sudden stopped doing this show, I'm not, I know this show isn't necessarily our identity, but we weren't able to go to work or if we had a certain profession that we weren't able to do for months on end, these guys are fiending to get back on this field, man, because this is when they're the most alive, 
right? This is when this is what these guys have been doing since they could walk. So, I mean, it, it, there's not really a way for us to be selfish because I think they want it just as bad, if not more, than we do. Because this is their profession, this is their passion, this is what they do, and you know, uh, to provide for their families and the future of their families. So, um, I'm selfish personally. Yeah, I always want my sports, regardless. I'll I'll be the first to admit it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think overall the fans have an option to be selfish because we don't, like Lance said, we don't really have a choice or a say in the matter. But if I had to guess, going by how many players are ready to play this year and opting in and the very few selective group of people that have decided to opt out, these guys want to be out there. These guys want to play. These NBA players chose to go to this bubble to play with very little complaint um, outside of maybe the food. But yeah, these these players want to play, man. This is This is their passion and they're they're in no way would they even decide to call I mean, fans selfish. Think about think about the MLB, the NBA, and the NFL, and collect all the players who opted out and all the players who opted in, and think about how many stars opted out. I mean, can you name them? Right. Can you name the star players? Like I'm talking the upper echelon guys. The only one in I think that, those that made a stink was Damian Lillard in the beginning. In the he beginning, ain't complaining he now. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Like you, you can register Dante Hightower as as a, as a star player. For sure. I would definitely put him up there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. CJ Mosley's like right at the line of that. The point though is, is we're grasping at straws, and we have to name those guys. That's what I'm saying. The MLB, even Nick Markakis, one of the better players of his generation, initially opted out. Mm-hmm. But came back. Well, and even even Trout almost didn't play. Trout almost, but Trout did play. That's right. the, what I'm. The point I'm trying to make is, is that when it comes to the grand scheme of this, the fans have very little to do with this because, again, yeah. we're not even allowed to play our part. We're the only ones in all of this that are actually getting screwed. If it you would think be about different. It. Yeah, it would be different if this was some kind of strike season for all sports, yeah. and, and players felt like they were getting fucked. And us fans were like, "Fuck you, get on the field, you know, play your sport. We need entertainment." That would be different. Yeah. But this whole situation is affecting the, everyone the equally. Owners, the owners and leagues are making their money still. The players right. are making their money still. The fans are the only ones that don't get to be a part of it. If you really think about it, like break that down to its simplest form. We're the only ones that don't get to play. Right. So, if anything, we should probably be a little selfish in all this, but we get it. Like, I, I don't want to speak for everybody because there's a lot of idiots out there that mm-hmm. don't understand why we're doing this. People that don't even want to wear masks and shit. Okay, whatever. <laughs> we're, we're the only ones that suffer because of this, but it's a, for the right reasons. Because at the same time, if we want our sports, we have to do this. That's how it goes. That's why they created a bubble. That's why MLB is playing around a bunch of ghost stick figures, and Uncle Bernie is behind the Royals and the Doug and the, the backstop. Like that's why these things are happening. It sucks. It's weird, but we got to do what we got to do. So that's that's where I'm at. All right. I know we touched a little bit into the uh, the NBA bubble, and I, I want to go back into it now. We saw Ben Simmons. Uh, Go out in in, in, uh, in a, what it looks like uh, some patella issue, kind of like similar to what my home side, but I think his is a little bit more serious. Uh, now, do you think he's back by playoffs, or do you think it'll be better for the team if he just sits for the for the season? If it's anything as severe, I, I think it, you're. I think you're right. I think it's a little bit worse than Mahomes because they popped that right back in on Mahomes. He didn't yeah. move it. Ben was walking all over that thing. Um, I don't know the extent of how long they said indefinitely. With I think the Sixers have three more games of regular season basketball. I, so. I would be shocked if he's back by the the first round. Now, if the Sixers can withstand that first round, I absolutely see Ben Simmons back by then because that's what three four weeks. 
I could see him being back by then, but even that, like, what what percentage of Ben Simmons are you getting? Because even before then, he wasn't playing great basketball. So how much are you getting back? Is he going to be ready? Are they going to be able to play as a team? Because they've already been struggling as it is as a team. Like I said, you watched uninspired basketball from the Sixers. At this point, I, I hate to say it, but it might be the best bet for Ben Simmons not to come back. Because what you don't want to see, especially if you're trying to find trade partners in the offseason, is to see that further the damage. You definitely don't want that to happen. So they're in a really shitty situation right now. Well, a shitty situation as a team, for sure. But unfortunately, from my optics, this looks to be, coming, to, to be become a trend for Ben Simmons and his career. I think he's, he's, he's constantly dealing with not only nagging injuries – joint injuries, knees, you know, and he's not a small guy. You know, we're talking about a 6'8", 6'9", 235 pound guy. This is not a small guy. This is LeBron James-sized dude that is known for his ability to run the floor. You know, and, 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 and besides the fact that the Sixers are underwhelming right now and he's playing power forward and small forward at times instead of point guard, which is his true position, he can't hit a jumper for the, to save his life. His 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 as excited as I was for him when he came in the league, I thought this kid was going to be one of the better teams or one of the better players for the future. Um, but it's just not seeming that way, man. Because the guy cannot stay on the floor. And same with Embiid. This has kind of been the story of the Sixers, man. They've they've brought in different rotational pieces, good players to surround them with. But when the two stars can't stay healthy in the same time and be on the same page and 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 develop a good chemistry together for a long period of time, it's just never going to work. Um, so unfortunately, man, I, I don't know. I don't, if he never comes back this, this year, I will not be surprised because this is something, or if he comes back a little too early and re-aggravates it, it wouldn't be a surprise to me either, because this is, like I said, it's become a trend for Ben Simmons and it's unfortunate. And I don't know if it would be worth it for him to come back to, if he, you know, we've seen, you know, star players come back too soon, you know, KD last year and, and other players, you know, hurting themselves further and ruining their, their, their next season or, you know, looking forward to the next season. So if he comes back and hurts himself more and he has to sit all next year, that shit sucks. So I don't want to see that for him. Um, I, yeah, I don't know what the future holds for him in Philly, but as far as him as an individual, it sucks, man. I don't, I don't foresee, I can't, it's hard for me to guesstimate on when he would be back because we really don't know the severity him being the guy, the size he is, that a joint issue, especially a knee, is major, right? So we don't know. And everyone heals quicker, or everyone heals differently. You know, some guys heal really fast. Which he's young, he should be able to heal pretty fast. But like I said, he might have, you know, some some Brandon Roy issues. This could become something like that, where he, you know, it's one thing after another, and this is a reoccurring thing where it's his knees, you know. And I hope that's not the case. But honestly, I, from my perspective, I have no idea you know, when he would return and if he even should. The process continues to be processed. Man, that's falling apart, man, unfortunately. All right. Uh, two, two more questions. Uh, this next question is, uh, is OKC the dark horse leading into the playoffs? Uh, in the Western Conference, yes. I, I would absolutely say so. They have exceeded expectations all through this entire Season, quite frankly. Uh, they've been extremely surprising. Chris Paul uh, has been one of the three MVP candidates. of. Uh, he'd be in top three MVP candidate for me in the entire yep. season. Uh, at 35, 36 years old, to be able to play the way he's played. I think he went on a strictly vegan diet. Like changed His, up his, his leadership. His yeah, leadership. He, he's been insanely efficient. Uh, he's played insane. Like He's always been a serene. To me, he's one of the three greatest point guards of all time. No doubt. And he's showing that on full display with a team that he has no business winning with. It's just absurd to see what he's doing. Um, unfortunately, as much of a dark horse as I can see them being, 
I, I do think that eventually it's going to catch up to them just with talent for talent. That's going to eventually be the overriding factor as to why they don't get further than what we you know would love to see them do as a small market team, a cool like this team that no one expects to do great things. But yeah, uh, the Rockets to me are no longer considered a dark horse because I think the Rockets are one of the better teams in the Star NBA. Star studded, yeah. but yeah, man, if, if the Thunder make it to the Western Conference Finals, I mean, is that not twenty twenty in a in a in a bubble, if you will? I would be shocked. Not, I honestly would be shocked at that. Like, yeah, so to answer your question in a roundabout way, yes, they are absolutely my dark horse. Yeah, they, and they're the dark horse, and they should be. I mean, they're led. My favorite thing about the Thunder this year overall is just the recreation of Chris Paul's image. Because he's uh, everyone knows he's an asshole. He has that, that asshole you know way about him. He's very... Arrogant and very, very snarky he's and sarcastic. He's very snarky and sarcastic, <laughs> and we've seen him with the fake laugh memes and shit. They're hilarious. <laughs> he's per- I've always loved his personality, but you know, everyone always his almost almost his whole entire career is his leadership has been questioned, right? You know, even back in his early days with, with you know with the Hornets and all that, um, it, or especially with the you know the failure of the project that was in L.A. with the Clippers. You know, they sh- that should have been a, a, a contender there um, on a higher level. But they failed, and he got the brunt of the blame because he was supposed to be the leader, blah, blah, blah. Um, but if anything, if he's ever proven it, it's this year. Um, uh, Gil- Gilchrist Alexander uh, um, and uh, Stephen Adams, you know, these are guys that are like kind of like could 100%. go, yeah, they could go to other teams and move around, and they could be, you know, solid players. But he's taken this, these guys, and now they're the fourth, fifth seed, you know, and floating around in the West, right in the middle of everything. You know, I mean, consistent winner all year long. They've been, a, you know, they, every every game you watch them play, they're never really getting blown out. They're right there in the mix of it. Um, so, yeah, I think I think this was a statement year for Chris Paul. I don't see them really making much noise in the in the playoffs, but I definitely I wouldn't be surprised if they win a series or two. I mean, them being the dark horse, absolutely, I I definitely agree with that for sure. Right, I'm gonna add this question then. Should Billy Donovan be coach of the year? No, uh, I think he. I think he's absolutely deserving of the co. I think he got co uh, coach of the year yeah. with uh, Budenholzer. Is that is that? Okay, who? I, can't I think it was Budenholzer and him that got the co coach of the year. Personally, I, I think it's runaway Nick Nurse. Yep. Uh, look, as much as I want to give the Thunder praise and credit, which they deserve, mm. and Billy Donovan coached his ass off this season, his best coaching of his NBA career. Nick Nurse doesn't have a Chris Paul. Let's just be honest for a second. Like, he's got a good, solid roster we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. But Nick Nurse lost Kawhi Leonard, and they're playing just as good as they did the season before with Kawhi Leonard. Yep. And it wouldn't shock anybody second at this seat point again. No. if they make the finals the second time in, a, in consecutive years again without Kawhi Leonard. That's Nick Nurse, man. He's done an incredible job as a head coach. He has, in my personal opinion, he's, yeah. he's the guy. I mean, you, there's like six, seven dudes you can't go wrong with that, that have done an incredible job. Doc Rivers deserves a lot of credit. Uh, like I said, Billy Donovan, uh, Boonholzer, obviously. Those are star-studded rosters. Yeah, a lot of them. Yeah, Nick Nurse is the only one that doesn't have a superstar player. Right. So I'm gonna I would give it to Nick Nurse. And I know Nick Nurse's coaching career is fairly young, as far as being a head coach, but he has the greatest. He has the best winning percentage of all time yeah. in the NBA. And let's be honest for real quick, real quick. Let's be honest. He replaced Dwayne Casey, who a lot of people were pissed lot, about yeah. getting fired. I was pissed initially about He got it. coach of the year after getting fired, yeah. Dwayne Casey. Yeah. Dwayne Casey doing a good job in Detroit. All right. So it's you're, you replaced a really good coach and have done better. That's, think about that for a second. That's how much He's they believed in him. Yeah. Now, the fortunate thing is Nick Nurse never had a run into LeBron James, <laughs> but you have to still give him credit where credit is due. He's done an immaculate job, better than anyone ever expected. For sure. I would give it to him. That's my nod. But Billy Donovan and Budenholzer getting it. 
I mean, like I said, those guys are deserving too, but I, I just think Nick, with everything collected, is just the yeah. guy. All right. And our last question is a fun question, actually. Oh, fun. Yeah. Yay. I like fun. Travis Kelsey is officially single. Whatever <laughs> you slide in that DM. I think Gad actually brought this up last week when it came to Travis. Uh, I think, yeah, I <laughs> I would love to see, like, a poll of who, which of the two get, like, more dm you know what I mean? Like between Travis and his and look, I, I have this strong conviction and, and and rule that I don't get involved in like people's personal lives. Like when I see Russell Wilson and Sierra, I just I flip the channel. I don't care because they're cringeworthy. First of all, but second of all, I just I don't care about people's personal lives because I know they don't give a fuck about mine. So that's where I keep it. But I, w- I would imagine I would imagine Travis is gonna have to shut down his social medias for a while because it, it's gonna be overloaded. If I if I'm just going off of what I see from the ladies on my social media, I can't imagine what it's what's gonna happen. Uh, you know what? Actually, real quick, let's let's get Gat's uh, uh, opinion on the matter real quick. How do you think this is gonna go down, Gat? Because my opinion don't mean shit. I literally plugged my mic in to yes. Uh, oh say my this. god, I did not know that. Uh, yeah. There are rumors that he cheated on Kayla, and I'm like, if you are Hold that cell, stupid. Travis. If you are that stupid is to that, cheat on is Kayla that Nicole, really is that really her? Like, I know there's that saying that like no matter how hot she is, someone somewhere is tired of her bullshit. Well, especially when you I get the, it when you have the clout that Kelsey has. I mean, right? It's, like, that there's no surprise one. There's anyone, no one prettier than that woman I've ever seen oh, in my she's life. Worse. She's like she is literally. If you want to put up like, make sure he compliments. Yeah. What if, <laughs> I, I have to like wonder what Stephen A is bagging, but that's okay. I'm not gonna go there. But I do have to so like. The one tip I will give you is that, ladies, do not use your kids to thirst trap to get into Kelsey's, like, attention. Mm. I've seen women being like, hey, we took a photo together together, like, three years ago, and this is my child, so pay attention to me. I'm like, stop doing that. Like, <laughs> you guys look pathetic. Um, just find a guy that looks like Kelsey who might be single that's on the spoken. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I got to go now. Bye. <laughs> I appreciate the contribution. That, that, is, that is the clutch gat right there. We need we needed a woman's opinion and woman's advice on this. So, ladies, please listen to Gat. Do not do it. It looks horrible. It's it's a bad look on y'all. And yes, Trevor is single. So, Trevor, let's get to you, man. What's your uh, what's your opinion on the matter? Um, let my guy live, man. I, we don't no, nobody knows. <laughs> let my guy let let my dude because he's, he's getting blasted on social media, bro. He, he had to go out of his TNT. way. He had to go out of his way. He had to go out of his way to address a fake article about who he cheated on her with. The fact that he's got to come. I, look, he deleted it. Well, no, no, yeah, true. But what did I tell you the first time when you told me about her deleting every picture of him on her social media and all that stuff? I said that he more than likely cheated because that's how a girl would react immediately yeah. if they if she was done wrong. Or if he was done wrong, he immediately would have went and deleted everything because she must have done him wrong. This is typically how it works, especially women, man. I'm not trying to single out like women in general. No, no, this is I'm, I'm defending her right now because the fact that she went out of her way. I hate that I even have to have a now I'm back on this right now. But the fact that she had to go out of her way to delete everything. It's inspirational media, quotes. It's always that. Right. Anytime so, a chick posts inspirational quotes, they're going through it. She's, yeah. They're hoping some dude is fucking she's, watching their stories. She's, yeah, being she's like, having a bubble oh, bath with some Maybe I'll stop cheating. Keys. Now I feel differently. No, they right. won't. When Trevor yeah. gets canceled, I don't want to be a part of this. So I say, <laughs> I'm, saying, I'm saying from my experience, there's no reason I shouldn't be able to say this. From my experience, that when, a, when a girl goes that far to make sure immediately to delete all your shit that involved you, you fucked up. You he, he more than likely fucked up. He did something. He's a handsome, wealthy, superstar football player. 
If he if he was unfaithful, this should su- surprise no one, even if it's my guy Kelsey. Ladies, Trev wanted to do like this. Yeah, never. Will, never. will we see a Captain Kelsey two point yeah. <laughs> Fuck no. He learned he learned his mistakes from that. He's yeah he's. Uh, no. Obviously not. Slayer's <laughs> daughter back on. But uh, have, we been, have we been canceled yet? I don't know. Yeah, everyone's but, out. All right, we're canceled. Okay, great. Eddie set us up. You sandbagged son of a bitch. You you set us up. But yes, but but yes, but yes. Wait, wait. I am in her. I am in her DMs though. Yes. All I ask is like, if you're going. Sorry, Kels, bro. This whole shit went to cheated and. He cheated, deleted her post. No, would have been, been a plot like, twist if Trevor told us he was in Travis's DMs. Like, yes. that he, was the, he was the reason. No, that too. I, that would have been the plot twist. I've been in his DMs, trust me. <laughs> no. You yeah. up, Trav? It sucks, man. You know what I mean? Hey, Kels, hey big head. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Man. Hey, Travis, Trav. Yeah, WYD, homie. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's, that's a bad one. Yeah, so uh, good question, Eddie, but yeah. So we'll leave it there. Uh, the Eddie Hour is a blast as always. Good questions, man. Great questions, actually. Uh, except the last one, who I had an exit stage left on. But uh, <laughs> but we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to open up the Monday mailbag and hear from you guys what you guys wanted to talk about on this week's episode. So we're not going to waste any more time. We will get back to that after this. Midcoast Modern is a Kent City focus on modern handmade and small brands. A resource for design-centric home goods, apparel, jewelry, artwork, and limited edition gifts. We support makers, artists from the Midcoast and bring in goods from makers, artists around the U.S. to offer a unique selection. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number four. I am your host, Lance Twidwell. Here inside the KCP and studios, my guys, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? And Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. We just had ourselves a <laughs> blast in the Eddie Hour. Hopefully, uh, Clay Wendler makes a gif of me uh, deciding to uh, ghost the, the panel, if you will, for a few minutes. I'm going to get canceled. decided to cook on the Kelsey and young lady's uh, disgruntled end. I forget, I forget her name. I apologize. What is her name? Kaylin. Yeah. 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 Yes. Mrs. Beautiful. That's what I call her because she is a... We're supposed to hang out this weekend. Oh, is that so, cool? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cabo? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. So let's get to the Monday mailbag. Each and every week what we like to do on Mondays is give you guys the platform, the opportunity to pretty much just take over the show for an entire segment where you guys give us your thoughts, opinions, debates, discussions, topics, just whatever you got. You guys submit it to us under under the thread and we bring it out. We bust it out. Let's get, let's get to it. I believe... If I'm not mistaken, our guy Shaggy Shane leads it off this week. He, he mentioned something to be prepared he does, for it. He does. Um, so the first question is, comes from uh, Shaggy Shane. And, I mean, he gives us a, a full detail into this question. But uh, to, to summarize it, his main question is kind of like, why doesn't Steve Bagnola get the same uh, or the as much credit as he deserves? It's 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 a that's an incredible that's an incredible question from Shaggy first of all because I've I've thought about this a lot myself. Um, I don't think all of it's bad though. Um, I I understand that Spags deserves a lot more credit than he gets, and I think he will as time goes on. Because let's be honest, I don't think the Chiefs win the Super Bowl without Steve Spagnuolo and the change from Bob Sutton to Steve Spagnuolo. Because when when we, the Chiefs first signed Steve Spagnuolo, I went live on the Spoken. And I was quite honestly pissed about it mm. because I felt like Not Andy Reid was 
loyaling up with his with his buddies because Spags and him have a long history. Brett Veach is his guy. You know, he was a scout. I was starting to do the math. I'm like, he just fired, fired Bob Sutton, who was his boy. He had him for way too long. Should have fired him years ago. Maybe should have never hired him to begin with. So I was starting to do the math, and I was worried. Well, as we saw it, Steve Spagnuolo made immediate impact and changed and transformed this defense, not just schematically, but mentality like he they brought frank clark and tyron matthew and they fit perfectly in what spags was doing now it did take growing pains it took him six solid weeks into the season to finally start to play like an adequate defense but you saw the value of spagnola take shape quickly especially in the playoffs i know they had slow starts to start the game but that was also on the offense andy reed deserved a lot of criticism we were also dealing with a lot of injuries defensively exactly fair fair point he lost juan thornhill right before the playoffs who was absolutely well, Frank That's, Clark was dealing with his nerves. Nervin, yep. Yeah, all those issues. So to answer the question, I, I, I get why he's not getting it because of the fact that you have such big names above him right. with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, Clark Hunt, Brett Veach, all these other magnificent figures that take the majority of the credit just naturally that a defensive coordinator, I mean, hell, Eric Bieniemy deserves a lot more credit than he gets, but he doesn't get it because why? He's an O.C., He's a coordinator. He's not a. He's not an actual head coach. If Spagnuolo's was the head coach of the Chiefs right now, you best believe that motherfucker is getting a ton of credit for what's what's happening in Kansas City. Unfortunately, he's the DC. So mm. as long as he's going to be behind Andy Reid, and as long as this team is winning off the arm of Patrick Mahomes, that anybody on the defensive side is not going to get the credit, let alone a guy who doesn't play on the field. So it's not a bad thing because, like I said, with him getting a lack of credit, I think an addition of rings is going to be coming with that because I think as long as Spagnuolo's here, the Chiefs are going to have an above-average defense, and as long as Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are here, they're going to have one of the elite offenses, and they're going to be the team to beat each and every year, and Spagnuolo absolutely deserves credit for that. No, I, I absolutely love this question because it's funny because we're, we're asking why, Shaggy's asking why he doesn't get enough credit, and it's funny because when, he, when we signed him, you were upset about it. And he, he, he came from already winning two, two rings, right? He didn't get much praise then. So we signed. He already won two rings before he even came here. And he, didn't, and he didn't get much praise then, right? It was, the, it was Eli. It was that defense. But Spags Tom was Coughlin. Yeah, Spags wasn't really mentioned. We sign him, and you're upset about it. Not No fault to your own. You didn't really know if he still had it or not, if he was the guy. Granted, I was just excited to have anyone else than Bob Sutton and a proven winning defensive coordinator. So I was stoked with that. And I've always actually liked uh, Spags' personality and everything about him. But this is funny. Like He's probably never going to get that kind of recognition because he's already won two rings before he even got here as the, as the defensive coordinator for, for you know one of the teams that had the greatest upset in Super Bowl history um, on, the back of that, uh, back, on, the, on the back of his defense that he led, right? So it's just funny. We're talking about him winning his third ring now and if, he, if he's ever going to get that recognition or why he's not getting enough recognition when people like Lance... And a lot of others who didn't really know much about him when he's already a two-time champ coach, you know. So when he's not even getting that recognition, it's, just, it's, just, it's kind of the part of the, like you said, with the, with the star power that we have here in Kansas City, with Andy Reid being one of the greatest of all time, your name's going to be lower on that list just because it is what it is. Well, and also to add to that, just real quick, um, Spagnuolo was out of the NFL completely right. the he took year what, before he yeah, came to Kansas City. A whole City. year off. Second of all, if we're going to be honest here, and I know Shaggy knows this, 
Spagnuolo's had an incredible, incredibly roller coaster type career. He's had some shitty. Yeah. Where he's his defense have been elite. The Saints. I, I believe it was 2017. The last, when he was in the league with the Giants, still right. Uh, their defense, I think, was seventh in the league, which you give him credit for. But the year before that, I believe their defense was thirtieth. Then in, when he was with the St. Louis Rams, I believe when he was the coach there, the head yeah. coach for a very short period of time, he's a defense guy. Their defense was terrible in St. Louis. So there there was a lot of inconsistencies with his career, along with the fact, again, that he was out of the league completely the year before. I felt like Andy Reid was making a personal choice over a professional choice at that point. And I am so glad I was wrong because of the fact that if he if he would have been right, or if he would have done that as just a friend, and, and, and Spagnuolo no longer had it, again, I don't think the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. And the fact that he was out of football for a year... And supposedly he was, you know, really self-evaluating his whole the way he approached and everything, and his 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 playbook and everything like that. I love that actually. That made, that made me like the signing even more because he had a lot of time to self-reflect. You know, and sometimes it's good for you to step away from the game, especially as a coach. Sometimes it, that's why off seasons are so important, you know, as a coach because you Andy Reid knows he creates new plays every freaking off season. He comes out with new things. You know, we're gonna see Mahomes throw him behind his back eventually somewhere. <laughs> you know, these things are gonna happen. So I, I loved that, and I love Spags, and he deserves all the credit in the world, man. He was the the honestly the biggest turnaround, the biggest game changer for this team outside of Mahomes single handedly being who he is. The defense being what it was this season was the biggest con- contributor contributor. Two outside of Mahomes being, like I said, being who he is, but the defense, the turnaround that we saw this year was the biggest thing for us to get, we, get us over the hump. How about we challenge our guy Shaggy, who's got a humongous following? Let's. How about you? You start. The, you pioneer it, man. You revolutionize it. How about you start giving the Spagnolo credit that he deserves? Because honestly, I think if you, uh, Shaggy, start to push the narrative, maybe if we push the narrative here, maybe he will start to get a little bit more of the credit. The fact is, though, yeah. is that no matter what amount of credit he gets, he is a pivotal portion and character to what the Chiefs do and how much success they will inevitably have and have already had. Yeah. Yep. All right, next question uh, comes from Stephen York. Uh, his question is, with more positive COVID tests in the MLB, do you think that we'll finish the season? No, I do not. I, I would love to believe it um, because in all forms, and most forms I should say, baseball has been doing pretty well uh, across the league. Uh, most teams have done pretty well in maintaining it. But the fact that we have just enough, like I remember when I was a, a kid, and I wasn't always the best kid in class, but there were times where I actually could, you know, not be a jackass for like a, you know, a, an hour, and the the teacher would simply say, "Hey, if everybody's good, you know, we'll have an extended recess, or we'll go to this trip, or whatever, you know." And and there are literally kids across from me, just a couple of the fifteen kids in the class, doing just enough to ruin it for everybody. That's what's happening here in the MLB. Is that you have these teams that are St. dedicating Louis, themselves? Florida. Yeah, they're dedicating themselves to get through this season. That's already tough as it is to fit sixty games in sixty-six days. Yeah, and you can't even keep yourself controlled enough. Like it, it, it pisses me off because we were just talking about the opt-out thing, the opt-out on all leagues. Every single one of these players had the right, literally the right, to say I don't want to play and then go live their lives however they want to, right. and no one can tell them otherwise. They chose to opt in and then try to continue living their lives the way they wanted to, which is clearly the worst thing you can do for the Florida Marlins, St. Louis Cardinals, uh, whoever, whatever. There's only a few teams that have done this, and now we are sitting here seeing the Cardinals now have an additional five to six tested positive yep. after already having five or six. And they're already then. behind, yeah, it's, yeah, they're already behind the Marlins. They've been practically on shutdown. The Phillies continue to have t- uh, tested positive only because they played the Marlins, like. 
just by proxy, teams are going to suffer the consequences. Unfortunately, because of the lack of confidence I've already had in the MLB, I can't give them more confidence when everything is looking even more grim than it did beforehand. So this whole season, unfortunately, I just I don't see it finishing off, and it's just so fitting that the way they started the season is the way I think it's going to end, and it's going to be because of the ignorance of the league as a whole, but more importantly because of those that ruined it because they simply didn't want to follow the guidelines that have worked in other leagues. Look at the NBA. It is a perfect example. I know that baseball is not in a bubble, but because of the fact the NBA has dedicated themselves to get their league through this season, it has worked. But the ba- but baseball as a collective refuses to do it, and I think they're going to pay the ultimate sacrifice because of it. Yeah, it's hard for me to sit, and I was doing this today too when I was driving at work, I was just sitting there trying to think of if this continues, there's no way the MLB can finish this season. You know, if, if and I'm blaming the players first and foremost. These are all grown men. They all know the the situation. They all know what, what what's what's going on. They all know that there's not a really a structured bubble for them to be in like the NBA is, which would make it easier on you. But you're a grown man making grown man decisions, and you're still going out. You know, in in, in groups, these guys have to be you know in contact with other people that are apparently giving them this virus, um, and then they're spreading it in their dugouts and locker rooms. It's just irresponsible, man. It's irresponsible from from these men as as a grown adult perspective to be that irresponsible. Um, yeah, I just I think well, who was it that uh, that that held information? Was it the and the, they flew on the plane like they knew one guy was positive and they flew on the plane together and then they got infected like a few other people. I can't remember I'm which team sure it was. Pretty sure it was the Marlins. Was it the Marlins? Yeah, 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 they, yeah. They had a clubhouse meeting. This is what I'm no saying. And and, and they withheld that from the league. Right, and then they, and they ended up infecting the other team that they played, and it's just this is it's, it's a clusterfuck, man, and it's and it's ugly, and I just the MLB just seems like this immature entity right now. It's like it's the players, a lot of the management, the ownership of the league, Manfred himself. It's just everything about it is just so just feels dirty and just irresponsible and just toddler like. And I, I just feel, don't I like it, it. I find it so fitting that Don Mattingly of all managers, yeah. Is the one just a quick side story of Don Mattingly, yeah. an amazing Hall of Fame player, and, and when he played, but he has this rule about you have to be clean cut, no beards, no mm. mustaches. You got to have a clean cut. He's the Yankee. He's a Yankee. You know, he's that's what he's about. So he cares about the appearance and he cares about how you look, but he doesn't care about something that can literally kill people. And he went. He, I'm sure he would deny that and say, "No, I do care." Yet he had he made the call. To, to allow this to take shape the way it has. Right. That, oh, we know, we're fully aware, but we decided it was in our best interest to go out there and play still. And that is why they are so behind. That is why the Cardinals are now behind. That's why the, the, the Phillies were behind. Because of their because of that one single decision that Don Mattingly I just found that I just found that extremely ironic that of all managers, the guy that cares about pristine, buttoned up look can't keep shit buttoned up. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> Yeah, so no, I don't think, I don't Good know. Good question. It seems doom and gloom, for sure. Thank you for the question. <laughs> All right, next question uh, comes from Donnie Couch. All right. Took, man, that's the first, I think, how long has it been since Donnie was the third question? It's been a while. All right. What it's happened? Been a while. <laughs> no. <laughs> Shut the show down. Shut the, <laughs> the computer do I need to leave, the, do I need to leave the, the, the stage again? Okay. <laughs> All right. What was the more... Uh, the more hot take on Super Bowl week when Trent Dilfer said the 49ers will blow out the Chiefs or when Stephen A. Smith said Alex Smith could take the Chiefs to the Super Bowl? 
As much as I would love to add on to the the shit fest on Alex Smith as a chief, um, I'm going to have to go door number one. Because I've watched that video of Trent Dilfer no less than 39, 40 times. And uh, Uh. it's still just as bad as it was back then when I first... I I actually saw that live. I watched that live when he said that. And it's not even just what he said. It's the way he was saying it. Like he's, he was like peering into the lights. He was like, you know, a, a quarterback can only take you so far. And I just think that the 49... He's like literally, he was like staring into... It was so weird. Like, yeah, I just... I don't think that they have enough on the Chiefs. Like, he, he a quarterback can't win you a Super Bowl. And he's like just sitting here. And of course, again, with the fitting thing, when I right. talked about Don the irony. the irony of Trent Dilford, who was carried to the <laughs> Super Bowl that he won with the Ravens. I found that really fitting that he said that. But <laughs> it, I'm going to have to go with door number one confidently because I've heard other people say that about Alex Smith and, and just the oblivious denial of the fact of his limitations that actually cost the Chiefs what I believe could have gotten to a couple Super Bowls had they had an adequate quarterback to actually make plays downfield in playoff games. Nevertheless, you know, when you give up six field goals and lose in a playoff game, uh, that's, that's another here and over there. I'm going to go with door number one because Trent Dilfer is a jackass. The real, you can't yeah. win games in the NFL and lose. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's, yeah, that's my favorite one. That's intellectual. Oh, that was a literal yeah. quote. On, Intellectually yeah. Oh, yeah. sound, right? Yeah. No, the real, the real, the real question should be who's worse than the job? Trent Dilfer or Paul Pierce? Because those two guys right there is, are about equally as bad at their predictions and their sports talk. Man, from, um, from left field over here, bro, you got Paul yeah. Pierce into this shit. Yeah, he, he's like the honestly, he's the Paul Not Pierce. Of, the he's show. the Paul Pierce of, of football talk right now because almost every damn thing he says, he's wrong on. It's amazing. Um, yeah, I think we can go back on the history of this show. You guys know, I'll know how I feel about Trent Dilfer. I've given him multiple L's before in the past. Um, so yeah, definitely, I'm definitely going the Trent Dilfer route here uh, because. The roster that Alex Smith was surrounded by was extremely talented. You know, damn near the same roster that, for the most part, that Patrick Mahomes had when his first season. So, um, them being a Super Bowl contender with with Alex Smith wasn't outrageous. None of us really believed that that he can get us over the the hump there. Definitely, um, me. definitely me too. Um, but certain people did, obviously. Um, so I, but yeah, Trent Dilfer just continues to shit his own pants, and I'm here for more of that in the future. So keep him coming, Trent. Thanks, yep. buddy. Alright, uh, this next question we already answered. Uh, this is uh, Donnie, right? Donnie Couch. Yeah, yeah okay. Donnie Couch. Uh, we answered this question a few weeks back. Uh, who would you rather have my home throw to, Randy Moss or Jerry, Go- uh, Jerry Rice? Mm. Yeah, we already touched on that one. Yeah. Jerry Rice, unanimously. Okay. Yeah. And then his next question is uh, looking back at the, the wild card loss to Tennessee, do you think starting Patrick Mahomes in that yes. game would have yes. made a difference? And how yes. would it affect his development? Doesn't matter. Yes. Okay. He would have abs- I've, I've been saying that since. Look, I wanted Patrick Mahomes to start week one of 2017. I knew he wasn't because Andy Reid, for some damn reason, was still loyal to Alex Smith. I, I can't tell you why. You saw it. You saw Patrick. I saw Patrick Mahomes in training camp. I don't know how you decided, you know what, there's a quarterback on this roster. I'm going to play instead of that guy. Like Derek Johnson, one of the all time great Chiefs. My, my favorite Chief of all time was talking about how. You know, we're going against third-string offense with Patrick Mahomes because he started on the third string. Tyler Bray was the second string at the time. And they had him going against the number one defense. And back then, the Chiefs, had a real, they were a really good defense. And he was obliterating them with third-string guys. DJ's like, I don't know how this guy's not our starter. Like, it, it's insane. So, so, yes, he should have started week one, didn't start week one. By week 10, when the Chiefs lost four straight games as a playoff team, they should have absolutely started Patrick Mahomes then. You're up 21-3 to at half against the Titans at 
home with Marcus Mariota as the opposing quarterback and you lose that game. Inexcusable, unexcusable, whatever excusable you want to use. Patrick Mahomes should have started that, and yes, it would have made absolute difference. And I don't think it would have messed with his development at all because Patrick Mahomes was geared and ready. I know we like to play the whole Alex Smith mentored him, and I think that that helped him out for that first year. Bullshit. You saw how Patrick Mahomes was each and every time he got an opportunity before he took over in 2018. The dude was ready to take over. Alex Smith may have showed him some things. You know what Alex Smith could have done? You know, Alex Smith could have also done that holding a clipboard. He could have showed at Patrick Holmes a lot of stuff as a clipboard clipboard order while while Patrick Holmes is out there making plays on the field. We would have won the Super Bowl that year if Patrick Mahomes was our quarterback. Yeah. The whole argument about Patrick Mahomes being an unbroken horse, he was a raw talent. We didn't know if he had the uh, the fact that he was a, a broken horse, he was a horse nonetheless when we had a pony at quarterback. Right. So preach that shit. So all I'm saying is the the, the, the raw the raw abilities of Patrick Mahomes, the unpredictability that he would have had in that game, the 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 intangibles that he had, his ability to make throws outside, down the field, outside the pocket while he's on the run, and not watching his feet while he's running, he's looking downfield while he's while he's running. So, the fact that he was, uh, you know, this unproven NFL product, you know, he was going to be a, a project, which we all know is bullshit at this point. His his raw ability alone would have would have won us that game and extended that lead furthermore, and we would have not lost by Mariota throwing himself a goddamn uh, touchdown. So, thank you, Darrell Revis. Yeah. Uh, his next question, Donny Couch. Uh, how down are you down? Uh, how down are you to bring the Thunder to KC, and how easy of a rebranding mm. for the NBA team would it be? Sign me up yesterday. I mean, I don't care who the. I've said this many times. I don't care what team comes to Kansas City. If the if Kansas City was to get an NBA team, I am I am the first one buying a jersey. Like I'm not even a jersey guy. I'm buying a jersey, whatever team it is. I, I don't give a fuck who it is. And, and, I, and I actually tweeted this out a few days ago. I said, it, it's. I think it's crazier to believe that Patrick Mahomes couldn't find a way to get the Kansas City an NBA team than it is to think that he couldn't. Does that make sense? Like, I think that we. I think there's a legitimate chance that within the next decade. The the can the Kansas City either is getting an NBA team or has an NBA team. The, whatever's whatever's going on in OKC with those law the 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 taxpayers and all them threatening uh, the players that they kneel and all that <laughs> other yeah the center you know, talking it's about taxpayer so, money all that comical, look man, man yeah you guys want to be clown show down there cool I think the Thunder should be holding an L right now because they should have never left Seattle. Seattle was an incredible fan base up there. I never understood why they made that decision. I know there was a switching of the owners, and he said he would never move them. They should have never left Seattle. But if, if they were to leave Seattle, they should have came to Kansas City because I'd like to believe that we're a little bit, a little bit, just a smidge more open-minded than OKC. Yeah, we got Old Kemper slash High V Arena. We got the the Sprint Center slash now T-Mobile. We got barbecue right downtown. I mean. Got John Stone. We're waiting for you, man. I don't like I said. I don't care if it's the T Wolves. I don't care who it is. I would gladly accept the Thunder here. I, I just want a home basketball team that I can cheer for. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, you no. You John Stoner every uh, once in a while. He's I don't like, care. Wow, I don't friend care. of the show. I don't care who it is. I want he's, some. I want some basketball. He's in my a hometown. figure. He's huge as shit. So he's got a beard. You know, I'm in par- I'm partial to that. He's a badass. He, I mean, who rocks a cat uniform and, and, and you can't think that's a guy that could get us an NBA team? Come on, Stoner. Work your magic, damn it. Well, it'll happen. It'll happen. We'll get something here Thanks eventually. Stoner. That's what I'm saying. That's why I tweeted. I was like, man, Patrick Mahomes, we have, I have faith in you, man. If you got us a Whataburger, next step is NBA team, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Man. I don't give a, a shit who it is. I want an NBA team give me here. The Nets. I want to be able to go to my first NBA team, NBA game give in Kansas City. Give me, give me, give me the Warriors. Bro, I would take the Knicks in a heartbeat. Steph Curry. 
Like, trade Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Still give me the Warriors. I, I'll take them, man. I'll take them. Come out and play. I'll take the Wizards. I'll take Let's whoever, do it. man. Let's go. All right, give next, me a team. Next question, Donnie Couch. Uh, who would win in the seven-game series, the 2000 Lakers or the 2018 Warriors? 2018 Warriors. It's you not said even the two thousand Lakers? Not even close. It's the Warriors, man, because they that that team changed the way the game is played and the way you have to defend the game. Shaq did that similarly, but at the same time, you're trading twos for threes here. And the the the, the clip that the Warriors shot the three as a unit, not even just Clay and Steph. I mean, you had other guys. You know, Harrison Barnes at the time was shooting threes. Uh, 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 or you thought which warrior? What year? Twenty eighteen. Oh, twenty eighteen. Oh, this is with KD. Yeah. Oh fuck. Dude, it's not 2018. even. <laughs> well, twenty eighteen, twenty eighteen, twenty nine. Right, right, right. So yeah, I was thinking before KD. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's not even in my mind. It's a no brainer, and it's possibly a sweep. Just be, just just because of the overwhelming talent and the shooting prowess of that Warriors team. All respect to the way the game was played back then, and and the, the the slower pace and the big men that dominated that 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 era, and that and that, how incredible Kobe and Shaq as a duo were. The the way the game has changed now, and the, the range these players can shoot. You're gonna have to defend Steph from from half court. You have to meet him at half court because the dude's shooting from the logo. And then you got Clay. Who's stopping Clay? Robert Ori. Uh, Who's guarding I mean, Kevin Durant? Like, this I, is what I'm, oh, yeah, don't even get. Like, that's what I'm saying. That's why Kevin Durant. When he popped Ke- in my mind, I'm like, oh yeah, shit. Kevin, Kevin Durant is arguably the greatest mismatch in NBA history. We're gonna upset a lot of people right yeah, now. Yeah, just yeah, so you know, he's, he's I don't. Legit, I don't really he's care. Legit, almost seven foot tall that can shoot from 28 feet out at a high percentage, higher than almost anybody. Not named who? There's never Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, who happen to be his teammates. That's the that best year. team ever assembled. Like, it's not even a question. You don't want to oversimplify this stuff because at the end of the day, it is it is just a debate. Like you just, it's hyperbole if we're being honest here, but. If you're looking at it just from a raw matchup standpoint, right. Trevor is 100% correct. You can't trade threes or twos for threes and expect to win. Right. Shaq would get his number. Shaq would average 35 in that series because no one on the Warriors could guard him. Because Shaq was the most dominant figure we probably have ever seen in the NBA. But Shaq was a two-point guy. Couldn't shoot. Now, if Shaq was a high-percentage free-throw shooter, maybe right. you're talking about a chance here. Right. But outside of Kobe, no one on that Lakers team was a high-percentage outside jump shooter. You're talking about the Warriors having three to four guys that were elite at shooting. Not just good. We're talking elite. There is nobody on that. In my opinion, the 2016, 17, and 18 Warriors, or I'm sorry, I'd say 2017, 18, and 19 Warriors are the most unstoppable teams we have ever seen in the history of the NBA. Because not at any single point in the history of the NBA before them have we ever seen a team that had three all-time great shooters in their primes on the same team. We've never seen that, ever. Right. So how do you match up with that? You have to literally pick your poison and hope the other guys who are going to be wide open are have a bad night four times in a series. Not guarantee you, and, and, and no, no shitting on Shaq here. Shaq would get in foul trouble against this team because these, these, these smaller body guys these, with the speed that they would get on, on him, and he would have to be chasing them around. He would end up tugging on them. Then when they would drive the lane, Shaq would be – he would automatically get in foul trouble. And then, obviously, they could play hack a Shaq, like you said. Yeah. And just the, the overall – Durant's almost Shaq's height, and he's pulling up from 35 feet. And furthermore, what is Shaq, Shaq going to do? Shaq would have to guard who? 6'5", Draymond Green? This is what I'm saying. The, the, that matchup's fine, You're whatever. you pull Shaq out 20 feet from the right, And from Draymond the can hit the 3-2. Shaq right. would be ineffective on the defensive side. Who's he guarding? Just Shaq, Shaq's the defense paint. was in the post. He right. blocked people. He, he kept you from getting to the hoop. The, the Warriors were like, cool, we'll <laughs> shoot from 25 all night long, baby. Yeah. You ain't stopping us. Yeah. I'm sorry. All respect. That Lakers team was badass. But if we're going to contextualize even those Lakers teams, 
Go look at the teams they faced in the finals. Shit, even they even, didn't face great teams. And, and teams and Let's teams and teams are, are 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 built to defend the perimeter now more than ever because of the shooting prowess of this of this gen this generation this past decade of, of the way the games evolved. If they can't contain and those in that Warriors team still won seventy three games. Sorry, man. It's just uh, matchups make fights, and the Warriors are just way too talented, overwhelmingly shooting wise in that, that matchup. That Warriors team would beat the Bulls, the ninety six Bulls, in five games. 100% agree with you. Five games. 100% and I know agree. that's going to set everybody off, but it's the facts of life. It's just the raw t- talent and abilities of these players, man. Five games. Just... Good question, Donnie. All right, his last question. Uh, Derek Carr's last year as a Raider, and if so, where does he go? <laughs> My money is on a trash can. <laughs> <laughs> Milk carton? Uh, I mean, that's that's the ultimate location. I'm pretty sure the, that trash can is uh, the Allegiance uh, Stadium, whatever that thing's called out there. Reliance, whatever it's called. Allegiance, it's fucking yeah, dope, it's bro. Called. Look, it is, it is pretty sick, I would yeah. say. But it'd be cool if they had like, I a little go. lid that opened like that when you step on it. You know what I mean? And you just like throw your <laughs> shit in there. You know, um, <laughs> look, Derek Carr, I, I, I said this confidently, and I stick with it. I think Derek Carr is going to be replaced by Week 9 by Marcus Mariota because that is um, – Mike Mayock's guy, um, Mike Mayock, the general manager of the Raiders back when he was a talent evaluator for NFL Network, His connections there. was a big-time Marcus Mariota guy. I think Marcus Mariota is going to get his opportunity this season, and I do believe Derek Carr will be traded by the end of this, whenever this season wraps up. Uh, as far as suitors are concerned, uh, it, it's it's really tough to say uh, because of the, just the, the way the NFL is. It changes so quickly. Uh, but if I was going to take a stab at it, I think Derek Carr is probably going to go to a bad team. I think you could see him probably go to maybe Jacksonville. I think they would believe in him enough being 28 years old after this next season. Uh, I don't think Gardner Minshew is going to be a long-term answer. And I don't know if the Jaguars are smart enough, quite frankly, to take a Trevor Lawrence. I think they would try to trade out of that pick because uh, they're going to be bad this year. And I can see them trying to go and get a, a patchwork kind of quarterback and get a, get a guy like Derek Carr. That's just that's just throwing that out in the dark. But there's always like teams like the Bears. But I think they have more ambition than to go for a mediocre quarterback like Derek Carr. Nevertheless, I do not see him with the Raiders because I think John Gruden has tried in every way, shape, and form to get out of that contract with John Gruden, or with uh, Derek Carr because that wasn't his quarterback to begin with. So uh, he's definitely gone, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I, do, I do agree that he will more than likely lose his job this year to Mariota because I think Mariota is, honestly, if we're being honest, the better raw talent at the quarterback position. He's definitely more athletic, um, and they're not far off from their throwing abilities. Neither one of them are great at it. But, um, yeah, I think Mariota takes that that position eventually, maybe midway through the year once they're, you know, they, when they're winless. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if Eric, Derek Carr is going to go somewhere and start. Um Jacksonville would be one of the few spots that is really looking. I mean, we don't know like what what, what Minshew is really going to become uh, if he takes that next step, like you said. Um, outside of that, there's not a lot of vacant starting positions now that Cam's off the market, um, starting in New England. I think he would he would be a really good backup for Doug Peterson in Philadelphia because of the inconsistency and the consistency of injuries to uh, uh, um, um, starting quarterback in Philadelphia. Sure. Oh, oh, uh, Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz. Sorry, drew a blank. Um, yeah, I think Doug Peterson could probably get the best out of him with that offense. And again, they did just draft Jalen Hurts. That's I, I, yeah. but I mean, drafting a quarterback means shit because we've seen so many quarterbacks get drafted, you know, high draft capital and not pan out. Either way, I can see him going there and being, you know, a veteran backup for for a numerous amount of for numerous amount of teams. Um, he's not. I don't think he's going to find success anywhere. He could go. He even could. He could even go to Minnesota and back up, you know, over there or. It, I don't. It doesn't really matter to me 
Uh, Guys, get, I'm just tired of seeing Derek Carr get disrespected. Yeah. I'm just really tired of that. His feelings, you yeah, they, they matter. Yeah. Poor so. Derek. Oakland, excited to see what they become. Can somebody hug him? Right. <laughs> Next question uh, comes from Brian Herbert. Uh, Rankin starting over Wiley and Fenton on the outside of number two. Thoughts? The offensive line is uh, it's, it's a little worrisome, I'll be honest, because going into the season there were still questions, let alone now that you know without LDT and, and now Lucas Niang, who, by the way, seemed from what we were hearing uh, was going to have surgery anyway, so yeah. I don't know how much he was going to really play this year anyway. Uh, so you could have counted him out regardless of him opting out or not. Um, Martinez Rankin showed promise. Uh, we haven't seen a full season from him, so I don't really know what stock to put him put into him. All I do know is it's it's not ideal uh, to have this many questions or these these types of concerns, knowing that now Patrick Mahomes is not not only a great talent but a great investment for the Chiefs. We talked about this so many times on the show about how you have to look at Patrick Mahomes as basically like a stock. And you have to protect that stock. Hmm. And you don't want him out there getting abused because we've seen quarterbacks with great talent get washed up because they just have so many injuries and their bodies are worn down. Can't allow Patrick Mahomes to be that guy. So uh, I am a little concerned. Uh, I, I, I have faith that Martinez Rankin can be a, an adequate guy to step in. But, I mean, yeah, this is, this is showing us that priority number one going into next draft. I know we're miles and miles away from that has to be to execute at the offensive line. Off, uh, uh, free agency, you have to go out there and improve the offensive line big time. Um, and and, and I, would, I would say Rashad Fenton, although I, I don't think he's going to be ever going to be a guy that you, you put your full faith in as, as a, as a full-time, you know, 100 snaps a game type of guy, I think that he, we give credit to Spagnuolo uh, on Shaggy Shane's question, I think that Fenton is on this team because Spagnuolo knows he can utilize him properly, especially while Thornhill uh, continues to recoup, and they know they have Dirty Dan there to continue to bring that veteran leadership. Rashad Fenton's walking into a situation where he doesn't have a lot of pressure still, even though the Chiefs don't have a plethora of depth at those positions, I think that Rashad Fenton now familiar in the system another year. I'm going to give him enough uh, credit to say that I think he he may not be uh, a guy that takes five steps forward, but I don't think he's going to take any steps back. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to play solid football, and I, and I I feel more confident actually with Rashad Fenton than I do at Mar- with Martinez Rankin at this current time. Uh, with with Wiley the Wiley and Rankin thing, I actually like Wiley better. I think Rankin's the better the better overall athlete, but I think I like the nasty that Wiley brings. Um, I think he has that kind of edge to him. And plus, man, this is so early. It's such an early thing to even worry about. Um, the only thing I will say is I think we have more investing to do in this O-line. I think um, with the with the guys opting out, I think that's cleared up, what, like $12, $13 million or something like that where the Chiefs could actually spend. It's over 10 I know that. Right. So, I, I mean, I'm not saying we have to spend that money. We could, you know. They're not going to. We probably won't because yeah. of the way the, the cap's probably going to be the next year or maybe the next two years. Um, it's going to be affected by this COVID shit. Um, but, I mean, if we had to spend that money, it, for me, it would be in no other position we'd spend that money on rather than investing and finding other offensive linemen uh, to come in. And, and you know, because we've seen it happen. Guys go down, and the trenches is where guys go down the most. You know, defensive linemen, offensive linemen, those guy, those kind of guys are can be expendable. Um, but, I mean, the Rankin-Wiley thing, I, th- I still think they're going to rotate often. Um, I think I think Andy Reid is known to rotate his offensive linemen and move them around. Um, 
I do. I did like the pickup from a uh, uh, simile. I like that pickup. Um, but as far as Rankin goes, I think Rankin earned earned that spot. And uh, and if anything goes wrong, if he's underperforming as a, as the season progresses and goes on, I think Wiley is a, a great guy to rotate in, fill in that spot. I, but like I said, this is early. <laughs> you know, camps just getting ready to get going. The season's you know a month and a half, couple months away. Uh, so as far as Rashad Fenton goes, I love that kid. I, I think he, he's already a champ. He's got that chip off his shoulder. You know, he's he's a he's a part of a system that he can you know develop in. He doesn't have a lot of pressure to be the guy anywhere. He's filling in some shoes right now. Um, I think he's got promise, and I think Spags likes him. So if Spags likes him, I'm trusting in that, and that's all I need to know. All right. Next question comes from uh, Brian Herbert again. If LeBron loses in another finals, what will be your excuse or explanation this time? Uh, it really this depends. It, well, it really depends on what happens um, because there's a very there's a an unlimited amount of scenarios that can that can take shape. Uh, you're, you're you're talking about Le, the possibility that LeBron James runs into a better team at that time. There could be injuries on his team. He could have an injury himself, uh, or he doesn't play well. Uh, I have to I have to go about it. Uh, the way that it's presented. So I have no idea of what I could actually say in that regard. I don't think it would be an excuse because I don't need to make an excuse for any player in particular. I, I would just state the facts. Uh, it's much different than making an excuse. Making an excuse is, is forming an opinion in defense of somebody, and I don't have to do that. I'll just state he didn't play well enough or they didn't have the better team or whatever the case is. So I have no idea. I will say, and that was Brian, right, that asked that question. I will say this. Trust me when I say whatever does take place in the finals, when LeBron is there, I will give you an honest opinion on it, whether it's win or lose. I will tell you, and I will state the facts, and I will go off of the facts because that's what I try to keep it at. So I, I don't I don't mean to dodge the question or duck the question. I'm just trying to give you an honest response. I have no idea as to what I would say because I don't know the reason as to why he would lose. Uh, he's lost six finals, and each one of those finals that he's lost, there's a different reason as to why. Every single time. There's similar ones. Most of the time, it's because he ran into a better team. But in 2011, he melted down. And I will forever hold that against LeBron James because he did melt down in that series. He did not play his best basketball. Funny enough, though, his numbers in that series are better than Kawhi Leonard's and Andre Iguodala's when they won finals MVP. So let's just, we're going by facts for a second. So we'll use those facts. But no, look, he could very well lose in the finals. That could very well happen. And when that happens, we can talk about it. Yeah, I mean, we got to wait for the context to, to play itself out. We don't know, and I'm not going to sit here and speculate if they're going to win or lose right now because they have to, the game's got to be played, right? So I mean, we could type, we could talk hypotheticals all day, but until the scenario actually plays itself out, then we can have the discussion and, and, and you know, and figure out why it happened and is he to blame? And of course, he always is to blame, you know, and, and he is praised when they win. But that's nonetheless, let the games play out. It's hard for me to really try to make him an excuse for a hypothetical that hasn't occurred. Yeah, you know, I mean, cause this is this is what we're doing here. It's kind of hard to even answer. A non sequitur. It's no, it's a non starter for sure, yeah. and I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't really even know how to address the question. I get it. You you poking at us because you know we're LeBron guys, and that's fine. Um, Stay yeah. tuned. Well, I mean, but well, we can talk about past situations. Why didn't MJ, you know, have all those early round exits? Why did Kobe after Shaq left? Why did he go eight years without sniffing the finals again? We can talk about that context, but we're talking about LeBron right now because LeBron's in the finals damn near every year he's healthy. So, 
I don't know. I don't know. We don't know if, if he wins. What's your excuse going to be then? He oh, he had help. This <laughs> we, is what I'm saying. This 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 how thing. How do we flip the question? <laughs> this is this is what I'm saying. Like we can talk about if if they win. If, if LeBron wins, what's your what's your excuse now? Is he not better than Michael yet? What do we got to do here? This is what I'm saying. Like we can have these conversations all day. These hypothetical <laughs> situations. Yeah, how many first don't round X's? Don't many, bait it. How many don't first round X's LeBron James has? Don't take it. No, no, don't, no, take it. don't take it. Don't take it. Don't take it. Eddie is great at this. You're gonna, you're gonna put the trigger thing on now, Skid. I'm telling you, Eddie's got his team, man. I'm telling you, these guys are Eddie's people. He's like Q and on. I'm telling you, man. That's a good call, Gad. That is a good call. All right, last question comes from Corey Alston. Uh, what uh, what's your take on the Lakers' struggles right now? I think they'll be fine come playoff time, but it is a big concern. No, you're and that, and that we 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 addressed this pretty pretty much head on in the in the second segment. Uh, so I don't mean to repeat it. I just if in the most simplest way I can describe it, I just think that the Lakers are an older team, and the restart really threw them off. It, it did. I mean, it threw everybody off, but more importantly, I think it threw the Lakers off. They. Did not have their legs under them. It's no coincidence that their biggest struggle right now is shooting because, like I said earlier, when you don't have your legs, you're going to shoot horribly. And I also think that it's simultaneously that the Lakers had really nothing to play for. I think if the Lakers were trailing uh, the Clippers or whoever it was for the one seed and they really wanted that one seed, I would believe that the Lakers would be playing a little bit harder. I'm not saying they'd be playing better, but they'd be playing harder. And if you've watched any of these Lakers games outside of the Clippers game, which did mean something to them, and no coincidence they won that game, if you look at any of the other games leading up after that Clippers game, LeBron... AD, all these guys have been playing neutral. I think Crusoe and some of these other guys that are working their way into the rotation have been playing hard. But if you look at the stars of the Lakers right now, they have been on neutral and they've been in an, on autopilot this entire time. It's no coincidence to me. That's what's happening. I believe that's why it's taking place the way it is. And I fully expect them to play much different basketball, much better basketball when playoffs hit. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. How do I, how do I feel about the Lakers' struggles? I don't know. How do I feel about the Clippers' losing to the Lakers even though they're struggling. How do I feel about the the, the Clippers losing to the Suns? Um, let's let's not talk about them. Let's talk about the Lakers who just clinched the West. Um, Faster than the Bucks clinched the East. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm not worried about the Lakers. That's it. <laughs> he's worried. He's I'm not at all. I'm laughing. This he's is this worried. is the smile he's of worried. confidence because I've, I've I've been on the I've been on the I've been a LeBron he's fan. Worried. I know LeBron too well. He's this worried. is just the, the laughter is just it's great. You think MJ can beat him right now? <laughs> <laughs> MJ couldn't beat. No, that would that would that would be MJ's last dance. Let me just put it like that. That would be his last dance. MJ would beat him with his eyes closed. Eyes closed. Eyes closed because we know LeBron likes to choke in the finals. Mm-hmm. So, mm. I have to ask one question. There we go. LeBron and MJ get COVID both at the same time. <laughs> then they're, they they go one on one. Who wins? <laughs> Donnie, I'll Donnie. hang up and listen. COVID won. They got them both. Yeah. COVID got two zero on them, motherfuckers. Like <laughs> <laughs> plot twist. COVID won. <laughs> Good question, though, Gat. I appreciate that. Thank you, guys, everybody. Seriously, for all the questions you guys brought into this. Man, they've been, they've been bringing the heat these last few weeks, man. I love it. Keep that shit going, guys. Monday Mailbag's fun, man. I, I, I seriously enjoy it every single time. Don't hesitate. Whenever you guys see the Monday Mailbag post on Mondays, hit us up, seriously. But we're going to take a quick break because I believe we have one more uh, order of business to attend to. Guys, what's that called? Hold this L.
Casey Hemp Company, your most trusted CBD provider in Kansas City, shipping nationwide. Ancient plant for a new age health. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Casey Hemp Co. It's time to hold this L. I want you to do me a favor and hold this L. Somebody's got to hold that L. <laughs> the him, the her. I'm talking like caps lock L L L L L L L L Cool J style. Hold that L. <laughs> Good God, man. Hold this gigantic, <gasps> veiny, oh pulsating L. Man. You are one pathetic loser. You ignorant bastard. <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, hold Sorry. this hell. Yes. It is time to hold this L. Each and every week, what we like to do is we like to hand out some polite or not so polite L's in the world of sports. Let's be honest, guys. Some of those non-polite ones are very much deserving. So let's not waste any time. Mr. Birthday Boy, Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo himself, Mr. Backbone of the Show with this brigade of, of, of a posse members in the live right. stream comments. Damn right. Who is holding the L for you this week, my man? Uh, my, my L is going to uh, Force India with Formula One. <laughs> Shocking. Amazing. Shocking. Amazing. <laughs> I think even the week he was off last week, he gave one to Formula One. That's yeah, awesome, man. So, uh, I got to give them an L. Uh, just today, they were handed out a, a $400,000, uh, I think it was a $500,000 fine, and a 15-point deduction of the construction cha- uh, championship uh, for pretty much cheating. Uh, yeah, uh, they copied the design, the brake design from Mercedes, like, literally from, like, yeah, everything, everything, everything was copied. They tried to pass it as their own, but the FIA came out and said, "Nah, you cheated." Uh, so other team, uh, other uh, other teams are are uh, about to appeal the decision, uh, saying that the punishment wasn't fair. Uh, they want a more strict punishment, more severe punishment, mm. uh, because the punishment was handed down for them cheating, but. The FIA is going to let them still use the same car for the remainder of the season because they say it's hard for the uh, engineers and stuff to unlearn and learn a, a different system. <laughs> so they're going to continue uh, using that system. So other teams are, uh, I believe McLaren and Ferrari have officially uh, put in the appeal. Uh, they had 24 hours, so we still have a little bit of time left. So. Ferrari and McLaren have officially appealed that decision. Mm. Uh, they don't want they don't want them to race this weekend or this season at all, pretty much. So oh, yeah, we'll see what comes of that. So for cheating, uh, racing uh, racing point force India, you're gonna have to hold, hold this L. L. Trevor Twitter, who's holding the L for you, my man? Well, for this, as we've discussed um, ad nauseum, this uh, this MLB. Um, Season has been, you know, nothing to brag about or, or you know, write home about. Um, just the other day, I don't know if you guys caught it. I'm sure everyone's kind of seen it. It's been making its rounds. The Oakland A's coach, uh, the bench coach, his name is he goes by the name of Ryan Christensen. Um, after a after a victory, um, I believe it was against against the Texas Rangers. They won six to four as the players were making their way back to the dugout. By how he describes it, he described it as he he admitted he made the mistake, but he described what he was trying, attempting to do, 
which I call bullshit on this. He was trying to playfully avoid hand contact and calling it the, a, a new type of elbow bump he was going for. When in reality, he was doing the old, you know, the old uh, Heil Hitler is what, you know, I think history would call it. Um, with, you know, pretty much doing the, uh, the, the Nazi um, arm salute there. I, j- I just don't understand, man, especially in the time that we're in right now. <laughs> with baseball already being as shitty as it is, you're going to bring even more negative attention to the MLB? Uh, it's just, uh, you know you're being nationally televised, <laughs> and you still pull something like this knowing that you're being watched, knowing that you just won, knowing that the players are making their way back to the dugout with the, with the camera on you, and you're going to stand there like a dumbass that you are and do the Hail Hitler salute. As guys are, I think one of his players or one of the guys was actually trying to get him to stop doing that, and he did it. And then he jokingly did it again. I mean, I get it, man. We all make jokes, we all do things, we all take things too lightly sometimes. In the, in the moment, they just won. He was just being a goofball, I guess. However you want to look at it, but to me, with the times that we're in right now, with what we're dealing right with right now, and the injustice and the the country being hypersensitive right now, it's just there's no place for that right now, um, or really ever. Um, so with the, with him trying to make an excuse and playfully say that he was just trying to avoid hand contact because of COVID, and he tried to play it off with that, that alone is deserving of an L. So Coach Ryan Christensen of the Oakland A's, you have to do me a favor, buddy, and you have to hold, hold this, this L. L. I just yeah, uh, I know you saw that's that. A good, shit. That's a good L. That's a good L because yeah. that guy was a complete jackass. Um. So I was battling back and forth on a couple of L's that I had. I'm going to hold one off because I feel like this one's going to have a lot more validity next week. So stay tuned for one that I got that's very juicy. Uh, But I actually have one that is kind of in the future as well. So there are two guys in, in the world of sports media that influence me more than anyone. It's Nick Wright, who I have a personal connection with from Kansas City, who is a, a big-time uh, advice giver for me, and I will always hold him to that regard, and I love that man forever. Made us proud. Um, but a net more on the national side is Colin Cowherd. Uh, I love the way he does his show and the way he breaks things down. His analogies are amazing, and I, just, I think he's very captivating, which is no coincidence as to why he's so successful. But every so often, and I mean – very often, a lot of times, Colin will say something that is just absolutely absurd, <laughs> and you can debate whether it's for show fodder or to get people to click on his show, which more than likely it is. He's always been controversial. But I am, I do believe he is a man of his convictions, and I do believe he, he believes what he says. And something he said this week that just I couldn't help but <laughs> acknowledge and, and, and put into play when it comes to uh, my... Uh, the, the absurdity of it all, and I had I had to make a note of it because I wanted you guys to hear it for yourselves just how insanely I think careless this is overall. And I'm going to play it for you guys so you can hear it. And this is in regards to his prediction that he has for the NFL season coming up. So I think Baltimore is going to go 16 and 0, and I think they're going to fly through the playoffs and win the Super Bowl. I've never predicted that. So I think Baltimore is going to go 16-0, and and I think they're going to fly through the playoffs and win the Super Bowl. I've never predicted that. So I think Baltimore is going to go 16-0, and and I think they're going to fly through the playoffs and win the Super Bowl. I've never predicted that. Yeah, Colin, there, there's a reason you've never predicted that. Because it's absurd. It's never happened. Yeah. The, the, the Patriots are the last team to go undefeated in the regular season, and they couldn't even finish that off. They couldn't even make that happen. And if we're going to be honest right now, I think that we all would agree that that Patriots team... 
top to bottom, is better than this Ravens team, especially at quarterback. No disrespect to Lamar Jackson. I love the guy. But Tom Brady in 2007 was a far superior quarterback than Lamar Jackson. Let's not even start about coaching. Let's not even start about just overall depth of talent. That Patriots team was complete. Mm-hmm. They had a wide receiver in Randy Moss who had 22 touchdowns that season. They couldn't get it done. I understand the hype. I understand this aggressive mentality of the Ravens are going to be pissed off and they're ready to prove it to the world. And let's be honest, that is a very talented team. They are going to be one of the better teams in the NFL again this season. Lamar Jackson is going to go off again. He's going to have another incredible MVP caliber season. But the problem with your prediction is the 16-0 part for a reason that I guess Colin doesn't want to address. That's the fact that the Ravens already have an L (laughs) in the season. And it's in week three on Monday Night Football against the Kansas City Chiefs. The same team that Lamar Jackson can't seem to beat because of one Patrick Mahomes who owns the Baltimore Ravens along with the rest of the other 30 teams out there. So... I understand what Colin's trying to do to get the clicks, but I'm clapping back. And I'm letting you know that your prediction's already off the rails because furthermore, when you talk about them running through the playoffs and are going to get to the Super Bowl easily, I find that hard and I find that very difficult for the Ravens to do seeing there's only one true contender in the AFC, and that's the Kansas City fucking Chiefs. So Colin Cowherd, do me a favor, love you to death, but you're going to have to do me a favor and hold this L! Thank you so much. Yes. Where Colin was wrong, if you Madness. Will. He's wrong often, too, if we're being honest. Great show, guys. Awesome show. And it is all thanks to you guys and Gat, obviously, and Clay Wendler. The questions were amazing. I feel For like sure. this is slowly becoming a larger portion of our show, which I have absolutely no problem with because I feel like when you guys are contributing, it's a lot more fun and we get to bounce ideas back and forth and we get to have these hot takes for clips, you know, because we're trying to get clicks here as well. But in an authentic way, and we appreciate you guys for giving us that ability to, to, to express uh, authenticity because I know that's what you guys are about. I know that's why you guys are here. You're looking for somebody that is authentic. You're looking for a show that's authentic, talking sports, giving you something a little bit different, but giving you something that's really from us. And we appreciate you guys. That is our entire goal here at Kansas City Podcast Network. That is our entire goal. That's why we signed on here. That's why we wanted to team up with Gat because we believe that's what she stands for. That's what we stand for. So please subscribe if you guys haven't already to our YouTube channel. Get us on Anchor. Get us on all the podcast platforms. And if you're enjoying these live streams, man, we know we are. We're loving this. This is absolutely a blast. This is what we look forward to all week, each and every week. And I cannot wait. Guys, we are we are so close to our NFL, our 2020 official NFL prediction show. Like, that's coming up in a couple weeks. Oh, yeah, like, I cannot be more excited about that, man. It is literally in a couple weeks we'll be doing that show. Feels like just yesterday we were doing our 2019 prediction. So, I, I can't, we're going to have our guy Jay Binkley on hopefully this next week. So, stay tuned for that. I cannot wait to talk to our guy Bink. Uh, We're going to be talking plenty more NBA, so stay tuned, guys. We have a ton to talk about, but in the meantime, I truly hope you guys enjoy your weekend, and thank you for starting it with us. We truly do appreciate it. So for Trevor Twoodwell, for Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo Eddie Ortiz, for Gat, for Clay Windler, for everybody else that's a part of this, we want to thank you guys. Episode 76 of the Spoken Podcast is done. We out of this bitch. Later. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned in to the 
I might actually stick. I might actually stick around for a little bit. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's uh actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, "Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more." But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money. Geico, yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico, fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's uh actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, "Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more." But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money. Geico, yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico, fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more.